0: Symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. On Sunday afternoon, March 31st, it's WrestleMania. Get your tickets to the greatest sports entertainment closed circuit TV spectacular of all time. Mr. T risks it all, wrestling for the first time, teaming up with champion Hulk Hogan versus Rowdy Roddy Piper and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Guest tag for Liberace. Ring announcer Billy Martin. Referee Muhammad Ali. Get your tickets now to WrestleMania on closed circuit TV. Don't miss it. Seen only at the following location. Hey Hulk, look here. Everybody know we started training for the for the March 31st date, man. All over, everybody know about it, man. March 31st, the papers got it, man. You know Sandy what's so us, funny man. about this team, man? The whole world knows about this, man. Hulk Hogan <laughs> yeah. and Mr. T start to train. Right. the dream 31st, team, you know? man. The, the dream, dream team, team. definitely. No. I don't know. This is a good place to get started, T. But you've eaten so many tacos already today. Man, I, I want to one more, man. One more taco, and hot bowl of chili, man. That makes me mean. I know you want to start training, man. But I, that's why I come down here to, 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 to see my my Spanish brothers and sisters. You know. Hey, amigos, how y'all doing? All right. Good, All, right. All right. You what know. I, do? I know. I want you to get as mean as you can. And you're right, man. This is your fifth taco, but this is the last one. As soon as you're done with this one, man, let's head on down to Venice Beach where I started. Do some hanging and begging. All right, hey, we going to do that. We're gonna do that. But like I said, first I want to go. To Senorita, you know Sanchez, to get me a good taco, man. Like I always get, it's the last it's one. The last no one. more, no more, man. Okay, after we go to my place, Venice Beach, do our thing, then I want you to show me what it's all about. That's right, I'm gonna street, take you to the Alice, man. I'm gonna take you to the <laughs> low part of town, man. We'll get mean, man, for the piper and on off. You dead meat, you dead meat. And I pity you fool, and I'm gonna show you that I fit right in. Let's do it, all right? All right, man. One more one more, just one more, man. One more.
1: Welcome to the 24 Inch Podcast. That's my girl, Paula Bennett. Steve Bennett here. It is season number three, episode five, the 36th episode of the 24 Inch wow. Podcast. Paula, we got a special one today. It's WrestleMania 1. Thoughts?
2: I just have a question. Sure. Is it the one where Cindy Lopper gets the award?
1: Well, no. That's the show after. So let's me and you talk about that. So, one thing that was a precursor to WrestleMania 1 was a little piece of business they did at Madison Square Garden where Sydney Lauper was given an award and then she gave an award to who? Luke. Captain Lou? hmm Captain Lou Albano got an award, right? Yep. And what happened when he came down to the ring? Take me through it.
2: Um, Roddy Piper and his buddy, I forgot his name. Bob Orton. Bob Orton. Yeah. Went walked with his little feet and said and rocked them with the award. Then Cindy Whopper got hit. And it was the whole big shenanigans.
1: MSG was just chaos. Uh-huh. Policeman ran in the ring. He thought there was going to be an arrest made. And then who had to go out on a stretcher?
2: Um, David Wolf.
1: David Wolf went out on a stretcher. Hulk Hogan had to come down and interrupt it. And that was a big piece of business that they used to set up WrestleMania 1, which is our show today. So I'm glad you were here to explain it for the listeners. Uh, we're a little bit later than we wanted to be. Dad started a new medicine recently. What's the new medicine called? Do you remember? Um, no. Humara?
2: Humera, And he had to get a shot in his belly for him.
1: Mm-hmm. And once I started it, I was a little wobbly for the first day mm-hmm. or two. Uh so we pushed it back a bit. But we're here tonight. Hollywood Dave will join us in a minute. Yes, he will. Yeah, from New Jersey. We're gonna break down WrestleMania one. We're gonna um we're going to go through the news of March of 1985. Another big sort of 1980s thing, Paula, yeah. that we did recently is we went to see the Super Mario Brothers movie. We want to give a review of that.
2: Ten stars. Because about this English. Pages,
1: Yeah, that was a huge hit. Paula loved the Super Mario Brothers movie.
2: And the Mario Brothers have a commercial where it's like, we're the Mario Brothers and plummets a game. We're not like the others. We get all the fame. When your thing is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're after the other, you can cook on the double. And the lady from the movie says, thank you, Mario Brothers. The only thing you haven't drained yet is my bank account. <laughs>
1: That's amazing a good movie. We saw it in 4D. I didn't like the 4D. You liked the 4D though, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was just too bouncy. I wanted to just sit relaxed relax and eat my popcorn. But I also showed Paula the trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie from the 90s. And who's in that one? We just talked about him.
2: He um, you need to
1: remember a name. You Captain need... Lou. Captain you Lou. keep forgetting Captain Lou Albano today. No, I...
2: <laughs> Who plays... Um who plays mar who plays bowser
1: In that one? Yes. He- I'm not sure. In this Bowser, who plays Bowser in this one? Jack mm-hmm. Black, right? Yeah. Jack yeah. Black. And what other movies he in? I don't know. School of Rock. School of Rock. I thought it was the Mario movie. Yeah. So, pretty cool. So, you had Easter break. Uh-huh. We went uh, on vacation. Where would we go?
2: Columbus, Ohio, an American Girl Doll store.
1: And you spent a lot of money over there? Yes, I did. Yeah. What'd you get? I got American Girl Doll
2: accessories and pajamas.
1: Mm-hmm. What's your doll's name?
2: Isabella Nikki.
1: Isabella Nikki. Very good.
2: I got Nikki f- for Easter.
1: For Easter. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? Because they're excited to hear about WrestleMania 1. I. I can't hold them back. I'm trying to hold them back. i like, listeners, stay back. We're going to get to Dave. We're going to get to WrestleMania 1 in a minute. But first, it's to Paula. Do you have anything else you want to say before we go? Um,
2: I do have a quick
1: email. Oh, Paula's got an email. Wonderful. Who is it from?
2: It's from Jax.
1: Jax. That's uh family dog. My in-laws dog Jax is emailing us. What kind of computer does he have?
2: Um, a doggy computer. Doggy
1: computer? All right. What does his email say? It says, let me just check. Okay. I think it's on this sheet right here, Paula. Okay, what'd you write?
2: He wrote. He wrote. Listeners. Yeah. Ruff ruff. Ruff ruff. My name is Jax. Hey Jax. I wondered what is your favorite wrestling color in the ring or pencil? Bye. Ruff ruff. Ruff ruff. Okay. Hi, I'm Boogers too.
1: <laughs> That's the other dog. Well, we had a similar question, right? Where they're asking about our favorite wrestling colors, and we talked about the ring ropes yeah. and how I like the red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. But another wrestling color that I really like when I think of wrestling colors is the red and yellow brother of Hulkamania. Hulk wears the red. He wears the yellow. Those are the colors of this podcast. The 24-inch podcast. Our logo is red and yellow. That's the show. That's my answer. Red and yellow. That's for you, Jack. Mine yeah.
2: is you know, Watcher Man has a lot of ones. Mm-hmm. His capes.
1: A lot of robes. Yep, capes. Yep.
2: Like robes or capes. Yeah, whatever
1: you want to call
2: them. Um, I think the best one for me. I love the one bird, like this red, blue, and white. They're like NT colors. If you're not from NT, um, that's our um, college football team.
1: High school football team. Yep,
2: high school football team. Yep. And NT is where we
1: live. live. Yep, North Attawandah.
2: And I'm just saying, if anybody wants to come to one of my games, it's at Oh. Uh,
1: well, just call us. We'll, just tell, call we'll we'll give you the directions. Uh huh. Yeah, anyone's welcome to come watch Paula cheer in the fall. If once you get to Buffalo, call me. We'll tell you where to go from there. Mhm. All right. Well, with that said, we're gonna take a break. When we come back. Dave's gonna join us. We're gonna read the uh, oh Paula. We're gonna read the we're gonna read the bio of Mr. T. What do you know about Mr. T? What can you tell the listeners about Mr. T? He
2: plays the A team.
1: He's in the A team. What's his name in the A Team? B A. And what's he afraid of? Flying. And what's his nickname that his mom gave him in the A Team? You remember from the episode the other day? Scooter.
2: And he said, and they were always lying because he didn't want to get, a- they didn't want to embarrass him in front of his mother. <laughs> because he, they said he's the leader of the A team and all of this cool stuff. I love
1: it. But <laughs> who's really the leader of the A team?
2: Face man.
1: No, Hannibal. Hannibal. Hannibal.
2: Hannibal and Face Man get mixed food because they have like the same.
1: True. True. All right, well, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with The Maniac, Hollywood Dave Rollins, and more on WrestleMania 1. What? Thank you for listening to the 24 Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, The Sportscasters. 10 years in the making you can find it on twitter at sports underscore caster or download episodes wherever you found this podcast you can find the 24 inch podcast on twitter as well we're at the number two the number four the word inch podcast at 24 inch podcast email us at 24 inch podcast at gmail.com don't forget about our friend peter winson and greeting from allentown it's at gf allentown pod 24 inch podcast we are back I want to thank the lovely miss paula for joining us there for a few minutes and now that paula has stepped aside i need a new co-host why not go down to soccer town usa or as he likes to call it sopranos town usa welcome to my good friend dave Rollins hollywood how are we doing tonight uh, we're doing okay, brother. We got allergy season
3: here in Soprano, Soccer Town, uh, USA going on, and I think I got a little bit of a cold on top of that, so it's been a little rough past couple days. Missed work on Tuesday, and uh, but I'm hanging in there, and it's good to hear from you. Yeah, so one, thing
1: I, one thing I have been spared is allergies. I don't really have allergies. No, I don't get them every year,
3: and I never had them during COVID, <laughs> believe it or not, but... Um, yeah, this year uh they hit me pretty hard. I actually went down to Shore to uh Asbury Park Beach on Thursday. It was like 90 degrees here. I took the day that day off a of vacation day and a friend of mine and I went to the beach, boardwalk, out to eat that kind of thing, and I started losing my voice right then and there and it just kind of snowballed into this cold allergy uh type deal that I I've been dealing with uh, <clears throat> all week long here, but uh we're going to tough through it. Um, my body feels okay now. It's just, you know, the nose and the throat and that kind of thing. Me, uh, you know, not being able to talk could be either a good thing or a bad thing. Depends what kind of person you are.
1: <laughs> well, I've been battling a little bit too, and that's part of our delay, as Paul and I were talking about, as I started a new medicine called Humera, and they do a lot of commercials, so people have heard of it a lot of when i'll mention it to people like oh i've heard of that sounds like there's gonna
3: be a lot of side effects how do on that i know
1: oh yeah the, the whole commercial is side effects <laughs> uh but um it feels like my head for a few days it felt like my head was trying to go to outer space but my body was on the ground like it was trying cool. to just lift away but seems to settled in now a little bit i'm um, getting used to it we'll see if it works or doesn't work that's yet to be seen but you know, no third nipple or anything developing yet. Um, oh, that's too bad. You know, I haven't um, laid down for bed and have, like, that guy poke out from my chest. Like, oh, you, you haven't seen Spaceballs. Um, but, no, uh, but
3: I've seen uh, that, that's from something else, Yeah, too. it's a parody. I mean, the whole movie's yeah, a parody, yeah.
1: right? So whatever that right. is from where they parody that. But um,
3: I don't know why I can't think of it.
1: Yeah, nothing. Uh, nothing's growing, or we'll see how it goes, but... Um, Good one for us tonight. Let's get into it now.
3: Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2.
1: Okay, there you go. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So strange movie. Yeah, so tonight we're doing WrestleMania 1. Paul and I previewed it a little bit, and it's an exciting one. But because it's WrestleMania, we're going to move some things around. Now, our last show was also in the Garden, so there's no reason to to do the Garden again. And one thing I want to do for WrestleMania is Especially these old ones, and we're going to do this first. Is let's look at some of the celebrities that were there, because a lot of what we do on this show is look back and and kind of recap and, and, and nostalgia. But also, I think if younger people are 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 consuming WrestleMania one, they might not ne- necessarily know, you know, who Bobby Martin is uh, or Billy Martin, excuse Billy me, Martin. or who um, Liberace is. You know, so let's go through them. I got a nice list here. The first thing I want to mention is the official song of WrestleMania. Um, is Phil Collins,
2: uh, Easy Lover, easy baby, lover.
1: Um, really catchy, good '80s pop song? Uh, Paul loved it. Oh, excuse oh me, real
3: quick, got a got a wedgie. Uh, all right, I'm back.
1: <laughs> yeah, Philip Bailey uh, is also singing on it. Uh, Phil Collins, Philip Bailey, Easy Lover. That's the official song of WrestleMania. I would say one of the best they ever had and all the years that they've had songs. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, I guess.
3: Right. Well, they, they settled it on around uh, WrestleMania six time, six to ten, I guess, that really cool one with the guitar, you know, like a, a regular WWF song.
1: I like the jazzy one that they do for WrestleMania 3, too. Yeah. That's sax- really good. The saxophone cut. I always like that. Um, but, then there was later ones where they would have songs like from mainstream rock bands. It was like a time, right. like a, you know, like a commercial time. Like I know it was SummerSlam, but one time for SummerSlam they had AC/DC, Highway to Hell. Was that uh, SummerSlam ninety eight? Yeah. Right. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, tonight we have Easy Lover, Phil Collins, Philip Bailey. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Great eighties pop song. Uh, Muhammad Ali is the first celebrity. He's a guest official for the main event. Uh, arguably the greatest professional boxer of all time. Defeated Joe George Foreman, Joe Frazier, Sonny Liston, fifty-six and four record, thirty-seven knockouts. Originally Cassius Clay uh, became a Muslim, changed his name Muhammad Ali, was stripped of the title for a couple years because he wouldn't go to Vietnam. Um, a really polarizing but historic, iconic American. Incredible that they have him. Really, if you think it's about a, it, it's a
3: it's, it's a A-lister,
1: an A-lister of A-listers. I mean,
3: all, really, if you think about it. All we're missing here is Michael Jackson at, for this period of time. Right. Yeah, in 1985, yeah, everybody, right. Else is, everybody else is there.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty incredible.
3: It's incredible.
1: An incredible name, an incredible get. And unfortunately, the Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease that would eventually kill Muhammad Ali is just kind of starting at this time. And they decided at the day of the event that he wasn't going to be able to handle being the official in the ring. So Pat Patterson ended up doing that job, and Ali played kind of the role of enforcer on the outside. He did get involved a little bit and and really seemed to be enjoying it. They said, I've heard stories. He took it really seriously. It's really an unbelievable get. I mean, this is an iconic American.
3: Yeah, that had to be scary. I mean, I'm sure we'll get more into it when we do the match. Yeah, (laughs) we will. (laughs) When he was taking those wild swings there, brother.
1: Oof. Yeah, you don't want to be on the other end of that. Billy Martin is the guest ring announcer, and he was the charismatic manager of the New York Yankees. Right. His no-nonsense attitude gave him widespread notoriety, especially in New York. Now, he is an iconic New York celebrity, um, and a lot of times people would call this territory New York, right? And right. Martin was the manager of the Yankees, and he was often fired, hired, fired, hired. He had many stints as manager. Him and the iconic Yankees owner, George Steinbrenner, had a very, a very on-and-off-again type relationship. And uh they, believe it or not Billy Martin got fired and hired like cuz it was Wednesday and then he would come back Friday you know or then he would be back 6 months and then they he'd go back to him just a, a wild um a wild ride and there's some really He was a wild man. He, he liked to party. Yeah, right? partier. Him and Mean Jean have some some unbelievable stuff they did in a bar and yeah, yeah they're both lit out of their minds. Mean
3: Gene Gene tells a story on one of those documentaries. I can't remember which one. He's like, I show up, he's there with some flight attendant, bombed out of his mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, unbelievable. But it looks like he did, I think, four four different stints as a manager. He was a player for the Yankees as well in the 50s. Um, He also played for the Kansas City Athletics, Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians, Cincinnati Reds, the Braves and Twins. And he managed a ton of teams as well. Not to mention multiple times for the Yankees, hired in 83, 85, and 88. He also hired the Twins. He also managed the Twins, Tigers, Rangers, Yankees. And then, so three times in the 70s, he managed the Yankees, three times in the 80s.
3: Very cool. Then died tragically in a car accident, right? Yeah, a
1: car accident this, Christmas. New,
3: New Year's Eve at Christmas.
1: Yep, Christmas, night. New Year's
3: Eve was, uh, was Ricky Nelson, the singer that was New Year's Eve. Think eighty-five, so sometimes I'm confused. Two of
1: those, yeah. Um, but again, as as um, Ali was iconic at this time, to kind of as, in a broader sense, Billy Martin had that kind of celebrity in New York. All right. Uh, another kind of iconic celebrity at this time, Liberace. Good uh, old Lee. Yeah, the the guest timekeeper for the main event. He was a flamboyant piano player who was known just as much for his flashy appearance as he was. For his musical talents, he earned two Emmy Awards, six Golden Albums, and two stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he tragically passed away. Um, Not too long after this, I don't think.
3: No, 87. He he was a phenomenal penis, and um, Mean Gene did a a great um, vignette with him, too. Gene, I gotta tell you, the person who loved wrestling the most, that was my mother. People used to always say that to you, older people you talk to. They talk about how their grandmother loved wrestling and their great grandfather. And we do it right here on a 24 inch podcast. Yeah, yeah. So yo, some, some of those came Yeah, right. And some of those came off so realistic. And Mean Jean acts like he knows these per- when he says dear close person, longtime friend, he it, it. It really comes off as he knows these people. It's unbelievable how how well that the, that those are all done, those vignettes. With these A-list celebrities. You know, and Gene is kind of just coming to his own. It's, just, it's still 85, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and so. Liberace was kind of famous for being out without being out. You know what I mean? He never came right. out, but everyone kind of knew. And he would go on Johnny Carson all the time, and Johnny Carson would ask him, like, so why haven't you found the right one? You know, why aren't you married? Lee? Like, And they would kind of, like, have this cat and mouse conversation, I think, where they're kind of winking at everyone. Um, right. In a way, uh, and he there's some good movie that came out a few years ago on HBO. Um, one side of the story, of course, um, from kind of the the live-in kind of lover he had, I guess, at the time. Um, uh, wrote a book, and they turned it into a movie on HBO. I don't know if you saw that, Dave. Uh, it was pretty good.
3: Um, it did not, but uh, everything I saw of Liberace is just from wrestling. But I I like I, I like him. He's very charismatic. Yeah, inter- whatnot, it's a, so, guy, yeah. Lived a
1: very interesting life. Yeah, an interesting yeah, so story. I would like to see that. Yeah, um, it's Cal- Calarabra. What the hell is the name of it? Uh, I'll figure out the name. But um, Liberace, another really cool gift for them. And it's it really kind of a, an interesting kind of, I don't know, range of celebrities. You know, there's certainly not like a bunch of guys from action movies or something. You know, it's really spread out over the different, um, the different genres of pop culture. Dude, this is
3: by far the best one. I mean, all I mean, Euchre, of course, we could you know in the later you know a few years later, but I mean all all together as one. I mean, come on, yeah, really good. This behind is it, phenomenal.
1: Behind the Candelabra is the name of the movie. Matt Damon stars as Scott Thorson. Okay. Uh, and Michael Douglas plays Liberace. Uh, really good. Worth checking out. All right, a couple more celebrities. The world-famous Rockettes. The Rockettes are the leggy performers who are best known for their synchronized dance routines and the annual Radio City Christmas Spectacular. They added to the spectacle of WrestleMania by appearing with Liberace, Lee, and the Rockettes. Kind of kicked their way through the ring there. Really cool. Very New York moment here, too, as well. Um, and there's another thing. I think they did a good job balancing national and New York, you know, and, and kind of saying, we're expanding this beyond this territory but we still know where we came from. It's very iconic, that, yeah. that scene. I mean, you don't even see that at the
3: Super Bowl at the time, all these famous people in one spot at the same time. It's It really it really is unbelievable how famous uh, celebrities
1: were, were all there in that main event. And the last one you could argue is the most famous celebrity they've ever had relative to the moment. You know what I mean? Like, certainly they've, well, had, they've yeah, had Donald Trump. The they've had Donald Trump. They've had... You know, huge people, obviously, but Cyndi Lauper in 1985 was as big as any pop star outside of maybe Madonna. You know? I think Madonna was still on her way, kind of on her way
3: up. I think Lauper may have been big for a, little, well, a if, little earlier.
1: If you take their five biggest hits, they're pretty equal. Madonna yeah. just well, kind of had more longevity kept- and more depth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and was oh, yeah. this famous for longer. But Cyndi Lauper has had a good career since. Kinky Boots is a Broadway plays. She won Tonys for that. She's had a great career, but this is when she was her most famous. Uh, the eccentric recording artist whose most popular hit is Girls Just Want to Have Fun became Wendy Richter's manager, and accompanied her to the ring for her Women's Championship win over Lonnie Kai. We talked last week about how she would get right in the ring. She took a bump from Piper, a mini bump, you know, but a bump enough, um, and really went all in, I felt like, and really gave them everything she had and made the title match so important and feel important and helped them cross over to MTV and the rock and wrestling connection. And I think that Vince McMahon and the WWF and everyone who took a paycheck from this company uh, can't thank Cindy Lauper enough for the contribution she made here in 1984,
3: 1985. Dave? Yeah, uh, Cindy Lauper. I mean, I, I, I knew who she was before I knew who Hulk Hogan was. You know what I mean? I'm it, I'm kind of watching this stuff back. It kind of it's 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 so exciting. Maybe getting a little ahead of myself, but it's so exciting. But I'm uh, that I got you know. And, but and kind of bittersweet that I got into wrestling in '86 as you did too. So we missed out on all this mania. Exactly what it is. It's may It was it was actual mania. And uh, yo, yeah, Cindy Lupper I mean that that's and like, girls just want to have fun time after time. You know, true Colors. You go on hit after hit. You can hear them on the radio still to this day. I mean, that's still a household name. I think everybody would have, have, would have an image of her in, in their head if you mentioned the name uh, Cindy Lauper. <laughs> without her, we wouldn't be doing this podcast right now, brother. Let me tell you that much.
1: And Trolls, a kid's movie that came out just a couple years ago, the lead song is kind of a reimagined version of Girls Just Want to Have Fun. So, oh, I mean, her that. stuff is still relevant today. Paula knows Cindy Lauper and would without wrestling. You know, she knows her mostly from wrestling, but she would know of her otherwise.
3: Yeah, that um, girl just wanna have fun's gonna be around forever. Yeah, it's, so
1: it's an iconic song. There was a great clip where Cindy was stuck in an airport. Everyone was. The flights were grounded or whatever and the whole airport, you know how people get pissed off at the airport. I know I do. And she just grabs that right. little that little thing they got to communicate and just starts singing, girls wanna have fun. Right in That's the, awesome. How uh, right cute. in the thing, so really great. But uh,
3: now, Steve, Steve, do you yeah. think now Madonna, obviously the bigger star, we know that, We know yeah, longe- yep. way more longevity. But does she have a song as big and as iconic as "Girls Just Wanna Have Fun"? Maybe not. Maybe not. Like a virgin's got to be up, got to be close.
1: Yeah, Vogue, express yourself. Yay! I'm just, I'm just naming her biggest songs. I'm I, not know, not saying yeah, they I know, I know, I know,
3: but. It, I, but when it comes to, like, popularity, you know, yeah, like, no, don't even believe in Journey. Not you know? definitely.
1: Not? Yeah, not definitely. Yeah. yeah. No. Deba- at, at the very least, debatable. Very so. much so. Yeah, Cindy, some great stuff. True Colors, big hit. If you're a Goonies fan, you're a Cindy fan. Her, her song, Good Enough, is the big song. Great song. And a great, great video, too, that Steven Spielberg is a part of. Um yeah, I all mean, the wrestlers: Roddy the, Piper, the wrestlers, Ryan Sheik, yep. Volkoff, yeah. Lou Abano. Yep, and Captain Lou, of course, as we talked about last year and you know last week, makes the connection. So that those are the celebrities. I just wanted to touch on that. Um, we mentioned Easy Lover as well, the song, uh, but they set the tone early here in the history of WrestleMania. Um, it's not just going to be about wrestling. We're going to incorporate the stars of of culture and pop culture that represent the city and the country at the time and they did a great job here. Like I said, I think balancing where they're going versus where they're coming from. They they show that they're going national without leaving their roots behind. Um I think really really, really well done. All right. Moving on, the bio tonight. Last week we did What did we do last week, Dave? A uh, chic. We did the Iron Sheik. Hulk. Cheeky baby. Sheik. Just uh, saw
3: my A and E. Yeah. There. Did you see that?
1: I did. Yeah, I did. Mixed good stuff. Feelings. Yeah, really good. Really? I just love watching our era and those guys. Yeah. So like, Kim, getting that amount of time is just really great. And the Piper Hogan thing was good, too. Yes, it sure was. Uh, we usually do Hawk's opponents. Tonight, we'll do his teammate. Mr. T is the bio tonight. Uh, born Lawrence T-Rod. T-Row. T-Row. Uh, May 21st, 1952 in Chicago, Illinois. He's best known for his role as B.A. Barakas in the 1980s television series The A-Team and as boxer Clubber Lang in the 1982 film Rocky III. He's also known for his distinctive hairstyle, um, his, um, uh, his copious amounts of gold jewelry, tough guy persona, and his catchphrase, I pity a fool, um, which started in Rocky III. Uh, like we said, he was born in Chicago the youngest son in a family of 12 children. Uh, With his four sisters and seven brothers, he grew up in a three-room apartment in the Robert Taylor Homes. His father was a minister, and after his father left when he was five, he shortened his name to Lawrence T. Rowe. In 1970, he legally changed his last name to Mr. T. His new name, Mr. T., was based upon his childhood impressions regarding the lack of respect from white people for his family. Uh, This quote, I think about my father being called boy, my uncle being called boy, my brother coming back from Vietnam and being called boy. So I questioned myself what does a black man have to do before he's given respect as a man? So when I was 18 years old, when I was old enough to fight and die for my country, old enough to drink, old enough to vote, I said, Enough. I was old enough to be called a man. I self ordained myself Mr. T. So the first word out of everybody's mouth is Mr. And I had this little pocket Mr. T thing. And you would push different buttons and he would say something. It's kind of like a keychain. And you hit one of the buttons and he would say, First name Mister, middle name Period, last name T. I like it. I, I pushed that thing so many times. <laughs> he went to Dunbar Vocational High School, where he played football, he wrestled, and he studied uh, martial arts. He won a football scholarship Dave, to the Prairie View A and M University, one of your favorite college programs. Sure. He, he Why ma- not? He majored after uh, majored in mathematics, was, but was expelled after his first year. After he left. Prairie View a he worked as a gym instructor for a government program in Chicago. He later, oh, I hate to be a kid in that class. He, he later said it was here that he discovered a gift for helping children. Uh, he then went into the Army in 1975. He served in the military Peace Corps. After his discharge in the late 70s, he tried out for the Green Bay Packers, but failed to make the team because of a knee injury. I'm sure if his knee was healthy, he would have been right on the field. Okay, this is when it gets interesting for him. He works as a bouncer, At the Rush Street Club, Dingbats Discotheque. It's the first time. We got a
3: Dingbats over here in Clifton, New Jersey.
1: Beautiful. It was at this time that he created the persona of Mr. T, wearing his gold neck chains and other jewelry as a result of customers losing the items or leaving them behind at the nightclub after a fight. He kind of wore them as symbols of his victory uh, in the fight that night. Uh, a banned customer or one who to risk confrontation by going back inside could return to claim his property for Mr. T, uh, wearing it conspicuously right out front. Along with controlling the violence as a doorman, he was mainly hired to keep out drug dealers and drug users. He claims that as a bouncer, he was in over 200 fights and was sued a number of times but never lost. He eventually parlayed his job as a bouncer into a career as a bodyguard that lasted almost 10 years. As his reputation grew, he was contracted to guard, among others, clothing designers, models, judges, politicians, athletes, and millionaires. His clients, Dave, include Steve McQueen, Michael Jackson, LeVar Burton, Diana Ross, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, Leon Spinks. With his reputation as Mr. T attracted Exchange offers and frequently approached with odd commissions, including tracking runaway teenagers, locating misses, missing persons. He was a debt collector. Could you imagine having him on your ass when you had your problems, Dave? No, I could not.
3: <laughs> no, I could not. Hey, uh, I did, can did imagine it, that. Is I, this Dave? So I would like to have my, my on my side when my car got stolen. Would've been nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be nice. Uh, he also got assassination requests. Or he was requested to assassinate people. I guess. Here's the big break, Dave. In his late twenties, he won a two tough man competitions consecutively, back to back winner. The first aired as Sunday games on NBC TV under the contest of wow. America's toughest bouncer, which included literally throwing a 150 pound stunt man, breaking through a four inch door, things like this. So this is a work, right? I don't. Or was this? Re- I don't was it think real? so. I I
3: am ignorant to it. I have no idea.
1: No, I don't think it's a work. Okay, for the and you could f- you uh, could this be YouTube? That I'd love to see that. Maybe America's toughest bouncer it aired on NBC. Okay. I think everything's on YouTube at this point, right? Um, until for- it's not, right? Right until it's not. <laughs> for the end, two finalists squared off in a boxing ring for a two-minute round to declare the champion. Making it to the rings of finalists, he had as his opponent a 280-pound Honolulu boxer named Toofy. Within 20 seconds, Mr. T gave the six-foot-five competitor a bloody nose and a bloody mouth. He won the match and thus the competition. Now the second one was aired under the new name of Games People Play, also on NBC. When interviewed by Brian Gumble before the final boxing match, Mr. T said, "I just feel sorry for the guy who have to box, fool. I just feel real sorry for him." The fight was scheduled to last three rounds, but Mr. T finished it in 54 seconds. The line. I don't hate him, but I pitied a fool. And the Rocky Three movie was written by Sylvester Stallone, who was inspired by the interview that he saw here. So Mr. T is in these competitions, right? Sylvester Stallone is writing the new Rocky and trying to figure out who would be a good villain for him. And he sees Mr. T in America's Toughest Bouncer and the games people play. And originally, the role that he was writing was intended to just be a few lines. He cast Mr. T as Clubber Lang, the primary antagonist in the movie. Uh, His catch rate, I pity the fool, comes from the line. When asked if he hates Rocky, Lang replies, no, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. Kind of like what he said. So he gets his start basically because of this. Stallone sees him. And also, he was the right height for Stallone which really played a part in him being he didn't tower over him. You know, he's not a super tall guy, so it kind of just worked. Um, so no, from, that's something I never thought about. Yeah, yeah. and from there, he, he kind of he took off, and um, uh, he got on a television series called The A-Team. The role was basically written for him, um, and he he, he, he starred in that with George Popard and Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz, and my favorite show of all time people ask me oh you still watch uh did you used to watch the A team did i used to watch it i still watch it i've never stopped Hell watching yeah. it um mr t also appeared in episodes of silver spoons um and, and my he, favorite coming up different strokes yeah different strokes he was all over the 80s you could probably picture the picture in your mind the photo of him sitting on the uh, him sitting in the white house with the first lady Nancy reagan on his lap and he's dressed as um, dressed as uh, Santa Claus.
3: Yeah, he's holding that doll too, the Mr. T doll.
1: Yeah, uh, different strokes when he appears in 83. Uh, it's the season opener. Mr. T and Mr. T um, is the name of that episode. Um, he had cartoons. He had merch. Uh, he was in a movie called DC Cab, which is hilarious. It's kind of like a B movie that's not. Paul Rodriguez is in it. Um, it's a really funny, goofy movie that when I was like in my teens, I would always look in the TV guide to see if it was airing that week. Cool.
3: I would look in the TV guide to see if it had sexual situations. Right. Right.
1: Strong sexual content was a good one too. <laughs> um, and nudity. You didn't want some nudity cause that could very well lead to a bare ass, a, a bare male ass, but yeah, we don't want, want that. You don't want that. At least. Well, sorry. I li-
3: sorry. Liberace. No right, offense.
1: Right. Um, but yeah, he was everywhere at this time um, including at WrestleMania with Hulk um, he got involved because it made a lot of sense. I, I think you know Vince a- approached him he had the right the right demeanor he was famous for the right reasons um, he had mainstream appeal and it came together perfectly and he became part of the um, rock and wrestling storyline here and ends up you know in the main event um since. Since this time, since the 80s, since his A day, he stayed pretty relevant. He was a regular guest on Howard Stern. He battled cancer. Um, He's been on different reality shows. Um, He had one show where he would, like, go into different places of work and motivate the people. I remember he went into, like, a car dealership, and he had to motivate the salesman to sell. He also obviously appeared again in in WrestleMania 2, and he... Um, later would be in WCW, so he did a bunch of wrestling stuff over the year. Yeah, came back in 87, eighty seven. Eighty seven, he uh, came back as like an enforcer, referee type thing. On July twenty first, nineteen eighty nine, he made an appearance in World Class Championship Wrestling, second in Kerry Von Erich. Um, so, hey, I don't want to cut you off. but you mem- yeah. Do you
3: remember in the WrestleMania three reports they, they would they would say? Uh, possible surprise guest yeah. in Hulk
1: Hogan's corner, and I've heard that was Arnold, but I've also yeah, heard yeah. maybe Mr. T. They're as trying well. to get Arnold, but yeah,
3: yeah one or the other. Yeah. But uh, it's so funny that T came back right after it, so it's almost like maybe the Arnold stuff is uh, you know made up or whatever. But yeah, Arnold or T, it had to be one or the other.
1: Yeah, Mr. T is in the WWF Hall of Fame. He loves his mother. Um, yeah, that was. Boosh. We should mention that. Um, hey,
3: Mother's Day is coming up, our next holiday. Yeah, it
1: is. That's right. Uh, so, yeah. So that's uh, Mr. T. Pretty good rundown on him. Kind of an iconic American pop culture celebrity, uh, I would say. Withstand the test of time, people still know who he is. Um, he's 70 years old now, which is crazy to wow. think. You know, cancer survivor. Looks great. 5'10", 236 pounds. Some classic, if you want to look them up on YouTube, just look up uh, Howard Stern, Mr. T on Howard Stern. There's this one time where Howard said something, just a throwaway line about his mother. like Something like, oh, you're going to see your mom on Mother's Day or something. And Mr. T took it the wrong way and got so mad at Howard. And Howard, I think, legitimately was scared that Mr. T was going to kick his ass. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. The tension is just so incredible. Um, I'd like to see that too. Yeah, oh it's really good. He he had some really good appearances well, on there. Um there was a couple where it got a little silly, almost <coughs> like just, where they are pushing the gimmick like some of it like Iron Chic stuff on there where they're just kind of leaning into the gimmick a little bit too much. But right, it's funny at yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The second
3: cool. time it's still kind of funny, and then by the third time it's like all right.
1: Yeah. Mm. But that's a great Mr. T excited to talk about him. Um check out the a team too if you haven't. Uh one of the great shows of all time. All right. We can do something a little bit different tonight. Usually I step aside, I leave the mic, I let Dave come in. He tells us where Hulk is. But I wanted him to do a little bit something different for us tonight. And that's to kind of set up the timeline of how we got to the main event at WrestleMania. How we got to WrestleMania. And Dave's going to kind of lay it out for us. Maybe I'll come in here and there. But Dave, why don't you take us through and ha- tell us how we got to WrestleMania 1 with Hulk.
3: All right, my friend. Come on in whenever you feel comfortable. And I'm not going to get into the whole scenario how Hulk broke into the business, how the Briscoes and Steve Kern discovered him playing bass in Florida bars, et cetera, et cetera, trained by Hiro Matsuda, broke his leg, all that. We're going to take it past that. <clears throat> Rocky III, uh, Vince McMahon Sr., Hogan, was working for the WWF at the time. He was kind of like in that role. He was a heel, kind of like the big John Studd role, working with Andre a lot, you know, as that big, nasty heel. That's a big threat to Andre. And he would get these telegrams from Sylvester Stallone. He would just throw them out all the time thinking that, you know, <clears throat> these, these are fake. Somebody's ribbing me. But no, Stallone really wanted them in a movie. And Vince McMahon Sr. said, if you do this movie, you're out, brother, because they're probably going to make you look foolish, make you look get, look like you get beat up in that movie and people will never pay to see you again. Actually, that and then it didn't happen because it was a draw in the movie. Hogan didn't didn't look, Thunderlips, excuse me, didn't end up looking too bad.
1: In the movie, but uh, and the, you know the uh, same one that Mr. T was in Rocky Three.
3: Mr. T was in it, yeah. so uh, we're you know we're making friends right off the bat between Hogan and T right there. So there's your big connection. Thanks, Steve, for that. <clears throat> so then Hogan uh, winds up in the AWA as a heel managed by uh, Luscious Johnny V. But because of the movie, he was getting so many pops, just like you know Steve Austin and The Rock and these guys. Years later, when they're heels, they get the big pops. They turn them face, so they turn whole face. Then we listen. They turn Hulk face, and Hulkamania starts to bubble right there in Minnesota in the yep. AWA. Runaway and, train and, and and Hulkamania is started there. The term is started there, and they just Vern Gagne was very old school and you know not flashy and not that kind of thing. And there's a dispute over uh, merchandise and stuff. And uh, then uh, while this is going on, Vince Jr. takes over the WWF from his dad in 1982. So around 19, late 1983, he has his uh, photographer, Steve Taylor, uh, go to Minnesota and uh, and go to the AWA matches and hand Hulk a note to call Vince Jr. So Hulk uh, knew, you know, he's not getting the belt here. This guy's screwing him on merchandise. So Hulk winds up, you know, in the WWF and Vince is looking for an expansion, cable television, the whole deal. We're going to take over all the territories. That's his whole idea. And everything, he wants everything to come together in that in that way. But how is he going to do it? They need something like a World Series, a Super Bowl, Grammys, something like that that wrestling has never seen before. But as Hulk starts out, he starts out and beats the evil villain, the Iron Sheik, for the title, January 1984, Madison Square Garden. We've covered that right here on the show. And uh, Hulkamania is running wild right from the beginning, right from the start. However... He still, at this time in 1984, did a lot of stuff in Japan and never had a legitimate feud in WWF. He'd work a lot with Dr. D. David Schultz, Paul Orndorff, Big John Studd, you know, Bob Orton, different guys like that, but n- wasn't in a feud, really. So while this is going on, Lou Albano happens to be on an airplane flight with none other than Cindy Lauper coming back from Puerto Rico. These two get into conversation— and the next thing you know, Lou Albano's playing Cindy Lauper's father in the Girls Just Wanna Have Fun video. Uh, Cindy's boyfriend, David Wolfe, was a big wrestling fan. So that's it. That's where this started from. So the Lauper thing, you know, they she, she comes on Piper's Pit in Little Allentown, Pennsylvania, in Agricultural Hall. Albano comes in and yells you know, putting women down, calling her abroad. should be in the kitchen, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> they set yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they set up the brawl to end it all. Albano gets Mula. <coughs> Lauper gets Wendy Richter. And now this is show live on the MTV, which is which is really starting to bubble, which is the cool thing with teenagers and college kids and people in their 20s. Everybody was hooked on MTV in 1983, 84, 85. And this is the big thing. So next thing you know, there's wrestling on mtv hulk hogan is the vj on a saturday night On mtv he's the one hosting the music videos so his face is getting out there and then little by little uh we have more of cindy Lauper in the wwf with his feud with albano until we get to december 1984 and that's when the uh award is going to be presented to albano he's changed his ways for his work with multiple sclerosis and roddy piper so he, had out. A,
1: he had a medical issue though right dave Excuse me. He had a medical issue that that's why he was so mean. He found out that the uh, oh the
3: mandula oblongata yeah it was the wrong size
1: in his brain and that's why he was being mean. mean. But he had that cured. He had that cured. Yeah, that was cured. So
3: we're all good now. So Roddy Piper comes out and says, "I I started all this. Nobody else." Boom! Breaks the uh, gold record over his head. The city law force presenting the unbelievable, unbelievable. Now, now Hulk got his feud. Hulk comes out. He's involved. He makes the save. He's with Cindy. He's part of this. Now he's part of the feud. On to two months later at the Garden. Hulk's having his match with his first big feud. Roddy Piper, Madison Square Garden. Lauper and Albano's in Hulk's corner. Next thing you know, Mr. T sitting at ringside, of all people. Hulk's old buddy from Rocky Three sitting oh. at ringside. Mr. T. And next thing you know, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff comes out. And Roddy Piper and they're cornering Cindy Lauper and the Hulksters down. They beat him up. He's he was double teamed. They're cornering and on Cindy Lauper, this little lady, oh, no. this pop star. Yeah.
1: Oh no. Mr.
3: None other than Mr. T hops the railing. Boom. And we got pandemonium in Madison Square Garden. And we're on to something big here. We're on to re- with a setup for WrestleMania. Hogan and T are gonna be partners. They're gonna wrestle Orndorff and Piper Lopper's involved, in all the gaga leading up to this, all the talk shows, the Richard Belzer.
1: Yeah, Saturday where Hogan Night Live. It's
3: Saturday Night Live. Hogan puts Richard Belzer in a uh, front face lock and knocks him out because Belzer was all coked up, R.I.P. Uh, Richard Belzer. But uh, uh, all the publicity, but no, all publicity is good publicity. So, you know, Vince didn't know, uh, you know, putting his show on in all these closed-circuit locations at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday – are people gonna make it from church in time? You know, are pe- mm-hmm. that, that time always. Yeah, I know football starts at one o'clock, but that's at home at TV. You know, you can miss five minutes of it yep. coming home from church. <clears throat> but that always, I thought that like three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, which they settled, they settled in on, would have been a better time. But but anyway, there was another
1: up. event at the garden that day, right? Wasn't there a Rangers or a Knicks game or something later that I day? I believe so that yeah. night.
3: Yeah, that, yeah. but uh, yeah, that that that's how we got we got Hulk to to into his first feud with Roddy. And uh, upwards and onwards from there, brother, you got anything to add to
1: that? No, beautifully done. I love the the presentation, kind of a narrative there. Kind of got Thank me. You, it, it's got me pumped to kind of move on and do this. Let's talk about the show. So what we're going to do here is we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll read the news, of course, from March from 1985. And then we'll get right into it. WrestleMania 1, we'll cover the whole card. And then, of course, we'll go blow by blow through the main event. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Mr. Wonderful, Paul Orndorff, and Roddy Piper. All right, Dave, yes. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
0: All right. From Madison Square Garden, the World Wrestling Federation presents WrestleMania. The Executioner to meet Tito Santana. Special Delivery Jones versus King Kong Bundy. Ricky Steamboat versus Matt Bourne. Brutus Beefcake to tangle with David Sammartino. Greg Valentine to meet the challenger. Junkyard Dog. The tag team title matchup. The champions, Wendham and Rotundo, to meet the challengers. Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik. The $15,000 Slam Match, Andre the Giant to meet Big John Stud. The World Wrestling Federation Ladies Championship Matchup, Leilani Kai, the champion to meet the challenger, Wendy Richter. And in the main event, Mr. Wonderful, Paul Lorndorf and Roddy Roddy Piper face World Wrestling Federation Champion, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. Special guest referee, Muhammad Ali. Special ring announcer, Billy Martin. Special timekeeper, Liberace. And now we take you to your announcers at ringside.
1: 24-inch podcast, we are back. WrestleMania 1 is the topic tonight, and Dave and I can't wait to get into it. But before we do, Dave, it's time to read the news. March 1st, 1985, Milwaukee businessman Herb Cole, the owner of Cole's, I believe, purchases okay. the NBA Milwaukee Bucks for $18 million. I wonder what the Milwaukee Bucks are worth now. I bet you mm. it's close to a billion. Yes. And he if it was $18 million back then. How much are the Milwaukee Bucks worth?
3: One point, the store
1: co- 1.5 billion.
3: Oh wow. The store Kohl's uh wasn't in my area till probably
1: same. 20 years. Better part maybe? of 20 years. Dude, yeah. 20 years is exactly yeah.
3: what I was going to say. It wasn't an 80s store. You know, it wasn't a Caldor or James Way.
1: Same. <laughs> Very same. March 2nd, the FDA in the U.S. approves ELISA screening test for AIDS antibodies for all blood banks. Big step into the Eventual treatments of HIV and AIDS. Good stuff there. March third, Moonlighting with Sybil Shepherd and Bruce Willis premieres on ABC T V in the US. My mom was a big moonlight. Yeah, that was fan. a big
3: yeah. I mean I can't say that's my dad's birthday by the way, March third. But um yeah, I can't say that uh that I've ever seen an episode, but I mean who who people of our age who will never heard of moonlighting, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's uh yeah, that's a household show, household name right there. And that that's a debut, huh? Eighty five.
1: Yeah. Big day here for Dave's close personal friend, Racing Hall of Fame jockey Bill Shoemaker. Becomes the oh. first jockey to win $100 million. Man, this guy in 85 was rolling with $100 million yeah, we, bucks from racing horses?
3: We call him good old Billy Shoes. I hope he's
1: doing good nowadays. Hot damn. That feels like a lot of money for whatever reason. Um, Let's see. March 4th, a virtual ban on leaded gas is ordered by the U.S. Environment Protection Agency. It's why we all pump unleaded
3: Oh, a band! I thought you said band, like musicians.
1: Yes, there was a band.
3: It was virtual. Yep. it was like the hologram of Tupac.
1: Yep. Back and, then. <laughs> and, they, and they and they played U.S. Environment Protection songs. It would it would have been Elvis back yeah.
3: then in '85. That would have been a big hit.
1: Uh, March fifth, New York Islanders center Mike Bossy is the first to score fifty goals in eight seasons. Dave Mike Bossy's in the top five of goals per game. Never got to the heights that Gretzky and Ovechkin did because of knee injuries. Uh, that hounded him. I,
3: I, and also, he was a little too bossy backstage. Well, so. some
1: people had issues with his uh, his attitude. You know, they yeah. wish he would have been a nicer guy. Right. Um, you know, so I understand that. One quite a few cups with the um, the Islanders, though. March 6th, future Undisputed World Heavyweight Boxing Champion Mike Tyson KOs Hector Mercedes at 147 in the first round of four in Albany, New York in his first professional fight. And away he went. You know,
3: I was wondering while, while I was watching WrestleMania 1, when Tyson started to get big.
1: Yep. This so I know is... eighty,
3: eighty eight. 88. I know like, I knew who he was, maybe even 87. I was, a, Oh, a you knew him his. by
1: 87. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And, you know, with the, the video game and all I mean, yep. my favorite video game, favorite video game of all time, by the way. <coughs> but I, yeah, I was wondering if by 85, what, what he was up to. So I'm when, I, you know, when I was taking a look at Ali. So uh, I'm glad that came up in the news right now.
1: Yeah. Kicking the shit out of Hector. Poor Hector Mercedes. Yeah. Um probably couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. March 7th, IBM and PC DOS. Version drove of- away in his
3: Mercedes afterwards.
1: Version three, Actually, he drove Cadillacs. Uh, <laughs> uh, version 3.1 of DOS was updated and released. Um, so this is pre-Windows. People would use DOS. You had to figure out the DOS prompts. Pain in the ass. Oh, the so. DOS.
3: Yeah, I remember that from high school.
1: Yep. Uh, March 8th, the sixth Big East men's basketball tournament. This was huge in New York in the 80s. The Big East basketball tournaments, they have them at the Garden. And uh, Georgetown beats St. John's (coughs) 92-80. Shout out to D'Amato, the St. John's graduate. Um, But they are bested by Georgetown on this night, 92. The great D'Amato, who's going to be
3: a guest right here on the 24th spot. Yeah, we're going to have
1: him on for sure. (coughs) Very sorry. Yeah, it's okay. March 10th, Dallas Mavericks coach Dick Mata is the fourth coach in NBA history to win 700 games. Uh, March 10th, French socialists lose the election. So a blow to socialism in France. Um, Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Let's see what else do we got going on here. March 11th, Mikhail Gorbachev um, becomes the leader of the Soviet Union. And, of course, Gorbachev and Reagan and their diplomacy over the next few years would be one of the biggest stories in the world. I always
3: liked his tattoo. I don't that, know what it means. Well,
1: actually, on it was a head? fake. It was a fake. Uh, Leslie Nielsen proved it. He wiped it off. They had a confrontation. Oh, all right. Yeah, and he got him in a headlock and he wiped it right off. So it was, it was a it was a drawn on. Uh, March twelfth, the eleventh People's Choice Awards. Uh, Clint Eastwood, Meryl Streep are winners. Tom Selleck, Jane, Joan Collins, and Linda Evans are winners as well. So but Clint
3: so, Eastwood actually right right down the street from my house. Uh, Two thousand thirteen. He. He produced Jersey Boys, so he was hanging out. So we're like right there with Clint Eastwood right here in Carnegie, New Jersey. That's pretty cool, right?
1: Wild. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Dave, on March 12th, this Boston Celtic recorded 60 points. Who was that basketball legend, Dave? Larry Bird. That's right. That a boy. Very proud of you. Very yeah, proud man. of you, Dave. Very proud of you. One for one. <laughs> All right, let's do some more boxing since we brought up Tyson. Who's the heavyweight champion in March of 1985, you ask? Well, it's Larry Holmes. Is he okay. T.K.O. heard of him? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'll
3: probably heard. I probably won't be able to. But like, if you ask me a question, who was it? I won't know with boxing. But I probably heard more of the names. Well, Larry than Holmes. With, with the other Larry yeah. Holmes is certainly the
1: one, know what that is. He's the one that beat up Ali at the end. And then when Tyson fought Holmes, Ali was in the ring and whispered to him, "Get him back for me." And Tyson beat the shit out of him. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, he becomes a champion in a 10-round heavyweight boxing title. It's uh, kind of
3: like Rocky and uh, getting um, the Russian Ivan Drago back there.
1: So similar. Yeah. Uh, March 16th two-time Cy Young Award winner Denny McClain is convicted of embezzlement and drug trafficking, sentenced to 25 years, but his conviction, it's reversed later. A curve. Well, there was a curveball in the case, and they reversed it. Uh, Mar-
3: that we have now reversed the decision <laughs>
1: yeah. sorry these damn allergies I
3: can't get shit out
1: <laughs> March 18th Capital Cities Communication Inc. acquires ABC for 3.5 billion dollars the first ever transfer of ownership of a TV network it's a big deal if you think about it Dave the billions in 1985 right yeah, wow. yeah 3.5 billion and it's the first time that ABC, NBC, CBS they're transferred ownership and of course currently ABC is owned by Disney Um, No longer capital C. I don't know when they sold or how much they sold it for, but it's currently owned by Disney. So pretty wild. Uh, Everything's owned by something now, right? It's like nothing's... Uh, March 19th, one of my favorite magazines in high school, Spin Magazine, begins publishing. Um, Did you read Spin? Were you a rock fan? that read Spin in the 90s, Dave.
3: I did not. The only um, rock magazine I ever read, and I read it, Quite often, I had every issue was Metal Edge.
1: Oh, I love Metal the, Edge. Yeah, no, no in
3: Rolling Stone, and the two thousand. No, I was never a fan. They didn't like my style of music. They always threw, threw little jabs in there.
1: Crew was on a cover in eighty seven. though, but I, I wasn't into them yet at the time. Got it. Uh, let's see, March nineteenth, the U.S. Senate votes fifty five to forty five to authorize the production of the MX Peacekeeper Intercontinental Ballistic Missile. Okay, so had- there's
3: I don't know if I've ever heard the word intercontinental used in any other form. There it in, is. Uh, yeah, in wrestling.
1: <laughs> the uh, current intercontinental champions in '85 was the Senate. Uh, March. I 20- think Greg
3: Hammer Valentine has something to say about
1: that. Yeah, that could have been a grudge match. They, Vince misbooked. March 21st, Arthur Ashe is nominated for the International Tennis Hall of Fame. Dave, why is Arthur Ashe famous? What, what is he most famous for?
3: Uh, something tenor- beyond
1: I- tennis, you know.
3: Oh. Okay.
1: Um, like the stadium where the U.S. Open is in New York is called Arthur Osh Stadium. And it's not he just. Carried, he was great at He tennis. carried
3: around Paul Bear's urn before Paul Bear.
1: No. The pa- Passed away of AIDS. Oh. Sorry, Arthur. Uh, let's see. David Bowie on March 23rd is a special guest at Tina Turner's concert at the NEC Arena in Birmingham, England. They performed duets of Bowie's Tonight and a medley of Chris Montez's Let's Dance. And Bowie's song of the same name. You're a Bowie fan, Dave?
3: Um, yeah, slightly, slightly. I mean, I'm not going to say I know like uh, a big extent of his catalog, but you know the songs that you know I know. You know what I mean? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, I li- and I like like that style the and DVD respect the flamb- for him, respect for him, flamboyant, that kind of thing. You know that kind of music. Well, this is the uh, kind of music glam, Dave was you know, into yeah. it
1: in '85, and he was in Saint- San Antonio, Texas. Dave was on March twenty. 20- Third for Julian Lennon's first concert.
3: That, you know what? I was a big fan of his his hit song, and at that time, my uncle Tito made an MTV tape, and I still have it—the VHS. I was he was enamored that. by MTV, and the song—I I don't know why the hell's the name came for me. Is, he has one hit. It's really good. It's a good, really good song. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not going to waste airtime, but whatever the, the Julian Lennon hit is, a, is is a great song.
1: Julian Lennon. Yeah, he played "Too Late for Goodbyes." That's it. That's it. Yeah, well, he plays his first concert and closes with Too Late good for Goodbyes that night. Uh, March 23rd, this site loves getting these in. The U.S. performs a nuclear test at the Nevada test site. So thank you for that.
3: That's a lot of that. Yeah.
1: news. They love that. Um, the Academy Awards, Dave. March 25th, the 57th Academy Awards. Sally Field is the winner of the Actress Award, F. Murray Abraham is the winner of the Actor Award. It always drives me nuts on this site that they don't tell me who Best Picture is, but I'm going to find out in 30 seconds.
3: I'm going to throw one in on you, Steve. Who do you think it was? Oh, and I was going to say something else. Okay, go ahead. um, It would have been in February of 85. Cindy Lauper won a Grammy for Best New Artist and uh, came up with the Hulkster on stage to to get the award. So we just missed that in the news. I just want to throw that in there.
1: Legendary performance. David and I have been talking about ways we can kind of work stuff like that into the um, into the uh, the show. We'll maybe doing like four or five of those little things in one show. But
3: yeah, that'd be great. Like the Belcher thing, the Grammys, yeah. the Saturday Night Live. Yeah, maybe maybe a half hour cartoon. We we did one of those already.
1: The winner, Dave, another one to... of best picture on this night, March twenty fifth, nineteen eighty five. One of so your... it would have been
3: it would have been a movie from the eighty four.
1: Yeah, right. Yep, Amadeus. Okay.
3: All right, right. It rocks the shit out of me.
1: I I I have heard of almost none of these movies. I've heard of Amadeus. Rock me, Amadeus. The other ones: The Killing Fields, A Passage to India, Places in the Heart, and A Soldier's Story.
3: Yeah, I was always the type of guy. Unless it's like Forrest Gump or something like that, that whatever movies like to get all the accolades, I don't like them. So I guess I, I guess I like dumb movies. You know what I
1: mean? Sure won this yeah. night. Amadeus won essentially everything. Kind of like right. that weird one The other this year it won everything. I can't think of the Which, name of it right now, but it won all the awards. So that happens a lot. One movie just... But then again, with TV,
3: we love, we love the Sopranos and they win everything, right? Yeah, so. it happens.
1: Uh, Alright, a couple more and we'll get on to WrestleMania 1. March 25th, Edward Meese III takes over the office as the Attorney General of the United States, joining the... Uh, Joining the uh, Reagan administration. March 26th, Pope John Paul II, Dave's favorite pope, proclaims the first ever World Youth Day.
3: Okay, Mr. T you probably joined him with that.
1: All right, this is a big one, Dave. Let's let's fact check him here. I'm going to read it as it says on here. You tell me if they get anything right or wrong. If they get anything wrong. Right. March 27th, professional wrestler Hulk Hogan agrees to put interviewer Richard Belzer in a hold, resulting in Belzer passing out Hitting his head on the floor and requiring nine stitches. Belzer sues Hogan for five million in damages for personal injury. They sell it out of court and Belzer buys a home in France.
3: Uh, sounds right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh they left out, you know, the part where I'm I'm not saying this because 'cause I'm a Hogan fan, but Hogan's not the type of guy to, to it's not like he's David Schultz or you know or Yeah,
1: no, it says there David, that he agreed to do it, that he was yeah. asked to do it. He, and he do go it. he
3: goes out so quick. If you watch the video, it's just like he cinches up for, his, I mean, not even a second, and he's Belzer's limp. You know what I mean? So it com- completely accidental there. But um, you need know, to see, like, Hulk's all surprised afterwards. You're right, brother? He's, like, tapping him on the face and stuff. But, uh, yeah, that 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 was a wild, wild, wild moment. I remember my Uncle Joey, um, when I got into wrestling in 86, like, always talking about that. Like, that that was something he'd always continuously... Bring up. I was watching this show. Do you know when that aired, Hot Properties?
1: Because I don't. No, Is I the mean, the show? it says it was, was a... March 27th. I don't know if that's when it aired or if that's when no, it. No, I mean, supported. like, was it a late night talk oh, show? Oh, yeah, was no. It a day? What was the show called again?
3: Hot Properties. Hot Properties. It was syndicated. You know, I just, I never got around to look, looking at um, any of that up. We could always come back to it.
1: Sorry, right. I got it here. Hmm. A 1985 talk show. Hosted by Richard Belzer. For whatever reason, it took me to Richard Belzer's page, not to the shows. So the show doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. So, Maybe that's why. Maybe I have tried. Yeah. Um, let's see. In the 80s, he was a regular on Alan Dick, Short-Lived, Thick of the Night. Thick uh, of the Night. He briefly starred in the Richard Belzer show on Cinemax. Um, he hosted Lifetime Cable TV Hot Property. So it was on Lifetime Cable TV show. Okay. So, yeah. Lifetime, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Wow. That is
3: Lifetime movies. sometimes. You know, you might catch me peeking at uh, two, one or two of those. All right,
1: two more <laughs> and we get out. March 29th, Wayne Gretzky breaks his own NHL season record with 126 assists. Still stands to this day. And finally, Dave, March 31st, <coughs> they're getting us out of here on this one. WrestleMania 1, Madison Square Garden, New York City, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T, Pete Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. The last one on the page here. Let's get into it, huh? All right. That's it. That's the news for March.
3: Oh, I, I, I never heard of those guys. Of
1: 1985. <laughs> All right, Dave, WrestleMania 1. That's the job uh, at hand today. Uh, March 31st, 1985, New York, New York, Madison Square Garden. 19,121 is sold out. Uh, then, of course, we had people in the Felt Forum as well watching closed caption. Um, it was the inaugural professional wrestling pay per view event, only in selected areas, produced by the WWF. It took place, as we said. Uh, it was seen by over 1 million viewers through closed circuit television, making it the largest pay per view showing of a wrestling event on ch- closed circuit television in the United States at the time. Dave, explain short circuit television to the viewers for Close, those who don't know what it closed is. Closed circuit. Closed circuit television, excuse me. You got me uh, calling it a movie, short circuit, which yeah, I love. Johnny, yeah. Shout out to Johnny Five.
3: Uh, God, I haven't seen that in years. Oh, oh Johnny Five from Motley Crue? Or, no, no, no. Or, oh, that Johnny Five. Yeah. Okay. The Robot. Um, <laughs> yeah, not a great movie. But anyway, um, uh, okay, closed circuit. Now, uh, that's something where it's just like going to your local, maybe not your local movie theater, yeah, they but like maybe gyms. like uh, they set up a big screen in the gym. They also even did it in the arenas where the WWF. So in like the Nassau Coliseum, they had it set up there. They have four sides, big screens set up on you know all four sides, so you, you could see you know where you're sitting. You could see the show. Four big movie screens, but they also showed it like in um, theaters where like you wouldn't see a movie, but theaters were like a rock band would play, like the Hammerstein Ballroom in New yeah, York City, high it's schools, good. places like that, high school, bigger high school gyms, William Patterson College. I know my dear, very dear close personal friend Tommy Fierro saw. Saw it at William Patterson College, I believe, uh, right here in Wayne, New Jersey. Well, a cool...
1: Um, I'm sorry, go ahead.
3: No, the Beacon Theater in New York. You know, Mm -hmm. bands will play there. The Allman Brothers would do a a big thing in March there. So more of your larger 2,300, 2,500-seat theaters or your regular wrestling arenas, which probably didn't sell out to capacity. That's a little... Far-fetched, I think, but you know, get five, six thousand people in each one of those arenas watching these things. You know what I mean? You're making a lot of money.
1: Not that I was there, but I have seen an ad in the in the years since of WrestleMania One being showed in Buffalo at a GNC movie theater um, in Chictawaga, right by where I was living. At the oh, time. the actual
3: movie theater. So yeah, they yep. did it. Mo- yep. Is that like a really big movie
1: theater, or uh, it- no, regular?
3: That that's very cool. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I didn't know that part. Again, we you know, we weren't it's too bad. Like that Yeah. I really I really feel like darn it, like i missed out on all this hype and I I, I don't know if I would be able to handle it. Well WrestleMania three, you know what I mean? The oh hype God, leading yeah. up to Yeah, so but this this was I mean it was just this was just pandemonium. This uh, this this uh one this lead in
1: one uh closed circuit note. A technical glitch ended the closed circuit broadcast early into the showing at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the same arena uh, where years later uh, the Undertaker would throw mankind off the hell in a cell. Right, right. Uh, to appease angry fans who pelted the screen with garbage, WrestleMania was broadcast in its entirety on the local ABC affiliate two weeks later. How cool is that? That is
3: really cool. And, it, and uh, rumor has it that all those fans turned into gremlins when they uh, ripped up part that screen. Wow.
1: That's, uh, oh, the that man, one. Then they did the movie? Yeah, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Oh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> WWF announcer Gene Oakland sings the national anthem. Do you know who stiffed them? I don't. No,
3: I I, I really don't. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't have a lover do it. right? That's but what I was you know, wondered. No, but they'll
1: kill the pop. Or she later. wasn't there yet, maybe.
3: Uh, but yeah, I'm going to go with kill the pop. Okay. Like, you got to have her out there, and then you're going to have her come out with Richter. It's kind of like, mm, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they are thinking that way back then or not. But I, 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 unless I'm forgetting, I, I've never heard a rumor of, of who stiffed them. I know Samantha Fox stiffed them at WrestleMania 3, but that wasn't a sing. That was to be in Harley Race's corner. So they had Moolah do it instead. Not
1: quite the replacement, right there. Man. Well, you grew up. <laughs> <And, like that. laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I have no idea. All right, Gorilla Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, very nervous Jesse Ventura, by the way, are on you commentary. Know- uh, Oakland did backstage interviews, and Alfred Hayes did interviews near the entrance. You would see the guys literally walking back and forth to the matches while he stood there like a deer in headlights with the program in his hand.
3: <laughs> it looked like someone was holding the, Vince, Vince like holding a gun to his head. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: Howard Finkel was the ring announcer. The opening theme for the event was the inter, inter, instrumental portion of the Phil Collins and Phil Bailey hit "Easy Lover," while the closing theme for the credits was. Oh, boy. I had a tiger? Alex F. by Harold Fault or Meyer, which I believe is the um Oh, the, uh, the movie. Beverly Hills Cop? Beverly Hills Cop, yep. Oh, okay, see,
3: I watched that on, on the network. So. Instrumental,
1: yeah. Oh, that's long gone on there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we mentioned the celebrities earlier. Um, yeah, so let's get to the card. Let's see what we got here, Dave. The very first, oh, a few other things I wanted to mention. Referees on the night. Uh, Jack, Lultz, Dick Jack Kroll, Lutz, Dick yeah. uh Joey Morella was right there for WrestleMania 1, Pat Patterson, and Henry Terranova. Hmm. Um, we mentioned Liberace, Muhammad Ali, the Rockets are all guests as well. Uh, and let's get the card. The very first match at WrestleMania 1 is Tito Santana, your close personal friend, Tito, New Jersey guy, defeats right. the executioner by submission. At 449. Who was the executioner this night, Dave? That is Playboy Buddy Rose, one of the all time great Rose. wrestlers. Yeah.
3: And uh, I was told by Tito, and we had this conversation that, you know, they, because Rose was in the WWF, managed by Bobby Heenan at this time. A lot of people don't know that. A little short run there, managed by the brain. But uh, he knew he was going back to Portland, the Don Owens promotion over there. So they didn't want him to take the loss, especially the submission loss. To be seen all over the world, so that's why they masked with the executioner. And then, we hear him do the interview, you know it's uh, Playboy, Buddy Rose, and Vince McMahon actually handpicked Tito to be in that opening match to because he trusted him and he knew that he he would get the, the show off you know on the right foot.
1: Yeah, they give him four minutes and forty nine seconds. Tito wins by submission to figure four at leglock. We'll see Tito again a little bit later. The second match is kind of the first. Time they try to run an angle at WrestleMania as uh, King Kong Bundy defeats your favorite guy, Special Delivery Jones, by pinfall. Love SD. Now, they say it was nine seconds. Uh, It's a record for a long time. They mentioned it for years and years and years until it's broken like at a WrestleMania or something.
3: uh, Uncle Elmer on Saturday Night's main event in the Meadowlands
1: with uh, Jerry Valiant. Yeah. Six seconds. I think they still acknowledge this for years past that. Um, you know how they are with records and stuff. It comes right. up for years. Anyway, it was really more like 25 seconds. For whatever reason, Special Delivery Jones knew what he had to do and didn't do it. Kind of stayed in the corner. Falling down. Yeah, with his butt stuff. And Bundy was really pissed about it, I think. I don't blame him. I saw him in a shoot with um kayfabe commentaries talking about how disrespected he felt by SC Jones and how you know, if you didn't want to do the spot, you know, maybe we should have got someone else to do it. Well, the story is that uh, I, I believe the
3: first three matches were not announced on television the Santana match, the Bundy match, and the Steamboat match. I believe they weren't. So I think this was supposed to be Tony Atlas and Bundy with this same finish. And Atlas got there that day and said, fuck this. Who are you kidding? And Vince, Vince, Vince paid him something and sent him and his wife out to dinner and told him to get the hell out. And, uh, you know, they had SD, <laughs> SD on standby. Wow. Good old SD.
1: Yeah,
3: so Mr. USA didn't want to. SD only fell on his butt. Mr. USA flat out refused.
1: You uh, Mr. USA did say he would do it, though, if he could lick Linda's feet. Right, right. But uh, McMahon declined. Uh, yes, the, as long as they weren't Bundy's feet. The third match, you alluded to it. My man, Ricky Steamboat defeats the future doink, Matt, Bra- Matt Bourne, excuse me. Great wrestler. Yeah, in four minutes and 39 seconds. Kind of a good little match here, um, quick and easy. Not a lot to say about it, per se. Uh, they both debuted recently. They're both kind of trying to make a name for himself, their, themselves here. Uh, Bourne had just lost to David San Martino. So, you know, maybe that shows where what the plans well, are. You know, it was him, kind right? of
3: a jo- jobber to the stars for some reason. I don't think... There was something where Vince was all, because it was at one o'clock in the afternoon, was, you know, he got there and he was staring at everybody's eyes, making sure they're all clear and not red from being out partying. And he was really looking at Matt Bourne uh, hard there. And I also love this story where Steamboat tells, I think it's on the A&E documentary, where he he knocks on Muhammad Ali's uh, dressing room door creaks it open, says, excuse me, Mr. Ali, I'm Ricky Steamboat. I'm one of the wrestlers here. Just want to say hi to the greatest. That that, that always made me feel,
1: yeah, it's awesome. you know, it's,
3: it's a nice, yeah, yeah,
1: Show, a nice touch. Showing the respect. Steamboat wins the match with a perfect tie cross body. Kind of nails it. Good marquee wing for oh. the Dragon, um, but maybe not the best outcome for for Bourne, who isn't around that much longer, right, after this?
3: Yeah, no, not at all. Really. Um, it did. He would kind of like a job or like an SD type, a little, you know, as a heel, a little yeah. head of Iron, Iron Mike Sharp. But uh, yeah, it didn't do too much. Didn't never beat anybody of any significance. The Doink character, though, I think when he was it is one of the greatest characters in, oh, yeah. in professional wrestling history. Amazing. People confuse it when he leaves. He wasn't even there. He was there just short of a year. And so then becomes Ray Apollo or this one, that one. But amazing character. I think him and The Undertaker could have had a really cool, dark feud. You know, I think that would have worked out really, really well. But, uh, eh, never happened.
1: All right, match number four, Brutus Beefcake wrestles David Sammartino. It ends in a double disqualification. 11 minutes and 43 seconds. Of course, the living legend, uh, his father, Bruno Sammartino, is in the corner. Um, Johnny V's in Brutus Beefcake's corner. I think this is the first mistake of the night. It probably just should have been a tag team match, you know, with the San Martinos and Brutus and Valiant. I know why they didn't do it. I know, you know, he's trying to do by his son here. You know, he's trying to get his son to rub. That's why he's out there. You know, but he's also
3: try- been worried about taking t- taking away the pop of the main event because of Bruno in the garden.
1: Yeah. Well, he's out there anyway. I mean, he's out there anyway. He's yeah. Out there, yeah. He's out there anyway. So you it's know, And right? he gets involved anyway. So, I mean,. If you're gonna do that, they probably should have just made it a tag. They didn't it's not great. It's a little long. Eleven minutes and forty three seconds here is a little long for the kind of work they're doing. Right. Um, and they're
3: both they're both
1: green still. Yeah, they're both really green.
3: Well, you know, Brutus not as much. He'd, he'd been around he wrestling a little longer, but still, you know, he still hadn't come into his own yet until he got with Greg.
1: Right. In my opinion. Agreed. But then they'd have some nightmares looking, you know, in the in the, <laughs> the dream team would have a nightmare, right. especially WrestleMania. They they actually did go on and do the
3: tags uh, after WrestleMania in the house yeah. shows,
1: and they they probably should have done that here. Now again, and we'll say it right now. Let's get hold on. Let's I'll hold that thought. I'll tie it with the next match. Junkyard Dog defeats Greg Valentine, the Intercontinental Champion, by count out in a singles match for the championship. Now they get six minutes and fifty five seconds here. Originally, Valentine gets the pin, but Tito comes out, convinces the ref that Valentine was cheating. I can't believe the ref kind of just went with that. It's kind of ridiculous.
3: All the other times the feet are on the ropes. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it <just kind laughs> Nobody comes out then. Yeah,
1: Absurd. And uh that leads to the count out. You know, Valentine's dumbfounded as well. Gets counted out. JYD gets the win. But Valentine keeps the belt. And they further the feud, Valentine and Tito. And my point, which I was going to make in the last match, and I think is even more well illustrated here, is we're still in a time where these cards, even a super card like this, its main function is to serve the house show business. You know, and so, yeah, maybe it would have been better here if Brutus and Valiant and David and Bruno were together. But instead, they give you a preview of that and now they put it at, in your arena. You go out and watch yeah. it there. Yeah, maybe this should have been, you know, a Greg Valentine Tito battle for the title that went. Thirty-five minutes, and, or twenty-five minutes, or fifteen minutes, whatever—a battle by those two guys. The way they could go, and maybe Junkyard should have been in the first match against the Executioner, but instead they they further that feud and they're on the road. They're doing right. the house show, so These, it's
3: all main event. People are here for the main event. The rest is still promotion, just like syndicated TV for the house show, for the house show business. Albeit maybe not Andre and Stud when we get to that. Uh, that's kind of decisive, but. um Pretty much, it's just like you know your regular syndicated stuff. Even up to like uh, WrestleMania, jeez, it becomes less and less. But it's like an ongoing thing. But even like WrestleMania Five, it's still that way, kind of in some some ways. But it starts becoming less and less after a while.
1: All right, big moment here: uh, the Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov defeat the U.S. Express, Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda, the tag team champions by pinfall. This match for the tag team titles and the first ever title change at WrestleMania, kind of a big moment, I think. Uh six fifty-five, a really, really great overall job, I thought, by Volkov Sheik, and that pencil neck geek, um, classy Freddie Blassie. He forgot his cane that night. He though. forgot wow. it. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow though, Sheik did end up with one in his hands. And he absolutely cracks, uh, I think, rotunda with it. No, it's Barry. Is it Barry? Okay. Yeah. Um, he absolutely <laughs> destroys cool. him. With I mean, he, he did not hold back. This is a funny story. My friend Eric was a, a college student at the local Buffalo, Buff State College. And um, he, was in a, he was a communication major, and he was in this class. And he had to put on a skit, and he asked me to come in and do the skit with him. And as part of the skit, I had to hit him in the back with a cookie sheet, you know, like an aluminum yeah. cookie. sheet. Like ECW would do. Yeah, it. like you right. would get in the kitchen. And when I tell you I hit him as hard as I could with that cookie sheet, I am not, dude. I you're pumped up, right? Oh, right. I was playing to the crowd. I pulled that back and hit him so hard between the shoulder blades, it got a huge pop. But um, <laughs> clearly, Sheiky Baby had that MSG energy running through his veins. Here destroys um, Wyndham with the cane, and they get the pinfall. The first ever title change at WrestleMania. I think that's a big deal. The crowd did not like that. They're all changing between stunned silence and booing. Um, and I, I think this is here for a reason. You know, I think this is to show. Look at when we do a card like this, anything can happen, including a title change. And if you want proof of that, here it is. The titles change. There's a new there's new tag team champions. And it's can right. and off. So to me, it's a really historic match. It's followed up by Gene interviewing the new champs uh, with a classic chic promo. And Blassie, of course, says he never had a cane with him. So, <laughs> uh, uh, what do you? Any thoughts on this match, Dave?
3: Yeah, loved it too. Uh, you summed it all up, uh, but I'm gonna kind of go beyond it. I'm surprised they didn't have a longer run. They switched it right back to Barry and Mike on TV, and then gave it to the Dream Team, which I loved as well.
1: Right, which makes me you, would think, you would think, think that th- that was the point to just kind of do that for the show, you know? Maybe,
3: but I mean, they had that Sheik and Volkov had so much heat, yeah, and like a, a chase. You know, any good guys chasing them. You had the Killer bees coming in. You, know, you had the uh, Rujos down the line. You had a lot, a lot of guys coming in. And um, I, I don't know. I, I was fine with the Dream Team, obviously. But um, it was a very, very, very short run. It was kind of like a steamboat Intercontinental uh, run, just about the same amount of time, I believe.
1: And um, the uh, Sheik and Volkov were supposedly going to get the bouts back from the Bulldogs a couple years right. later. Because of the Bull- heat, Vince likes the heat. Right, but the Bulldogs only wanted to drop him to the hearts, and um, by that time, that it. was the right decision. Right, by that time, without yeah. a
3: doubt. She had cheeky baby. You know, uh, they were kind of, you know, a little bit, you know, past their prime by '87. Uh, but here in '85, it's 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 a different story.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the the um, tag title history here. Because I wanted to look real quickly, I got it right
3: here in my head. If you oh, need the question, oh, you, you know
1: exactly how long the rain was.
3: Yeah, yeah uh, for for Sheik and uh, Volkov. Yeah, it's uh, June, I think. June or
1: July. June or July. Okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I won't bother looking then.
3: Yeah, it's June or July. All right. And then then, then win in lose them in late August in the Spectrum to the Dream Team.
1: All right. Um. Uh, that brings us to another uh, really big attraction here, one of the other kind of main events. One of the great draws of his day, uh, the 15,000 versus career body slam challenge, Andre the Giant and Big John Stud. Uh, if Andre can't pin or body slam Stud, he's out. He's got to retire, go back to France, or go to your, go to your um, farm in North Carolina and, um, you know, uh, in the words of Sebastian Bach, "There's no need to whimper, no need to shout. Party's over, so get the fuck out." Would have been Whoa. what Andre was facing, but instead, if he slams Stud, he gets 15k, which is in a little WWF bag. I always wanted that duffel bag. I always wanted one of those.
3: I have uh, the towel. I still have it right now, actually, in the room right next to me.
1: And Bobby, of course, is in the corner of um, Stud here. Um. And really great uh, work now, I nev- I, by these I never guys.
3: understood the the rules. Like, all right, Stud could pin him, and then obviously it's over. Yeah, or the now, time limit. Time limit. They never really specify any of that.
1: Yeah, I, I think they didn't need to because it wasn't going to yeah. happen anyway.
3: I love the when Andre gets all pissed on TNT at Vince. Uh, and he grabs him by the, he grabs him by the collar leading up to this and we said to he'll put his career on a line because Vince said some people might call him yellow and he gets up and he grabs Vince by the tie and throws him back and says nobody called me yellow I'll take that money phenomenal phenomenal segment on uh, Tuesday night Titans
1: yeah MSG goes crazy for Andre as he comes out really great pop stud attacks him at the bell um the, the wrestling in this the action it's okay it's not great. Um, But eventually, Andre gets the slam and wins the money, and he, he's got the bag in the ring, and he's getting ready to throw the cash out to the crowd. He gets a couple dollars out, and that little weasel comes running in, snatches the bag of money, and runs off.
3: Now, the rumor is that Vince sent Bobby back out to do that.
1: Because he didn't want Andre giving all the money away? Yeah, yeah. To yeah. yeah. so yeah. get the hell back out there and get it from him. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing of that. I hope that's true. That's, yeah, me that's too. so great. It
3: sounds sounds very Vince-like.
1: Uh, Gene chats with Andre who says he doesn't care about the money. He just wanted to show he could slam stud. And Andre says there's no way he's retiring. Um, Alfred is back, and he previews the match. Oh, time on that one. They got 5.53 before Andre slams stud. So eh, about the right amount of time, at least I'll give him that. Uh, Alfred previews the match. Gets they a seem kiss. longer.
3: Don't they seem longer, the matches? For some reason. It moves yeah. so quick.
1: I love watching this because yeah. it just moves so quick. It's like you're at the main event before a blink. Um, Alfred previews the match. He gets a kiss from Moolah and says, The Rock and Wrestling Good, connection. gracious. Gene <laughs> uh, chats with Wendy and Cindy, who calls out Shmula and Lonnie Kai and says she was trained uh, to manage by Lou Albano. Richter is dead set on taking back her title. Uh, Jean then talks to Mula and Kai, who says she will do whatever it takes to beat Wendy and sounds like a trailer park mom in the process. Uh, the semi-main <laughs> event, a huge pop. Wendy Richter defeats Lilani Kai at 614 for the WWF Women's Championship. Virtually never to be seen again after this. You'll uh, hear and there, but um, yeah, this man. is really the crowning moment um for the for the belt um, at the end here uh we have uh Kai is headed up top to the cross body but Wendy rolled through and grabbed the win so she uh, the high cross body comes over the momentum Wendy rolls it over uh, and gets the title the one two3 monster pop Wendy city and wolf celebrate as the crowd went wild in a great moment um the match a few bot spots in it a little bit of an awkward finish, but it just doesn't matter. Very you know? awkward,
3: yeah. They didn't, it didn't matter that Yeah, cares.
1: the finish and the payoff, the Cindy leading Wendy back to the title, and the crowd fully bought into it all. Right,
3: couldn't it be more of a completely different world of professional wrestling. Yep, between now and then, and uh, they were supposed to actually they had Mad Maxine come in, who's she's about six foot five woman, and um, she was also called Lady Maxine in some territories, and be uh, uh, like the Piper, the Hogan, the Wendy Richter's heel. But uh, it didn't work out with her. She was even supposed to be in the cartoon. And uh, Wendy Richter, what a sad story! Because my goodness, was she was she popular? Uh, be- behind Andre and Hogan as the faces, she, uh, she's number three. If no, not yeah, number she's two. She's over, brother. Oh my god! And you know, and, and the cartoon and everything. And then before the end of the year, they they pulled that screw job with uh, with Mula the spider. And uh, that's it for Wendy. Never got an LJN. That thing, that LJN would have sold like hotcakes with the, the little girls. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, she tells the story. She didn't story. even
1: get changed, right? She just walked, yeah. walked back and her after the screwdriver, walked back just, and got in a cab and never came back.
3: Just about six months after this. That's it.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, Gino catches up with Richter and the crew backstage as Wendy says that this is the happiest second of her life. Cindy puts her over and gets one more Lonnie Kai in and talks about how she ensured Moolah didn't interfere. Uh, all the celebrities in the main event are next, including Billy Martin as ring announcer, Liberace as timekeeper, uh, who's accompanied by the Rockettes. They do a lengthy dance, and Muhammad Ali as guest ring enforcer is announced. Here we are, Dave. The main event of the evening, a tag team match with Pat Patterson as a special guest referee, and Muhammad Ali as the enforcer. It goes thirteen thirty-four. Hulk Hogan and Mr. T versus Orndorff and Piper. Let's go through it uh, blow by blow here. Hogan, T, Piper, and Orndorff. Piper, Orndorff, and Orton get played out by the full pipe and drum band in an Love awesome it. entrance that sets the tone for what is to come. And That's very heat, New
3: York, New York too.
1: Yeah, the heat just pours down right away. Uh, Hogan, T, and Snuka. Jimmy Snuka, who's in the uh, corner here smartly. Gets a rowdy welcome, and the energy in the building and the ring is through the roof with a mega-match feel. After some posturing, Hogan and Piper are set to start, but T. begs Hogan to tag him, and he obliges. Girl who gets his iconic T. has been living on tuna fish and water line as the crowd chants for Mr. T. Mr. T. 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 Piper and T. have a big nose-to-nose stare down and then trade slaps before Piper kicks him in the gut and takes him down with a waistlock, Piper rides him until T is able to work free after a reset. Now, Piper has said that his strategy here was to get T to the ground because just less of a chance for anything to look bad or for there to be bad a punches. Yeah, to just right kind of go amateur style, get him to the ground. He does that. Uh, T shows off his power a bit, shoving Piper off during the lockup and then grabbing him in a fisherman's carry before pitching him hard to the mat. Piper rushes T into his corner, triggering a big brawl that draws Hogan, Snuka, and Orton in as well as Ali. To Ali, then comes out to help settle everything. Ali clears the heels out, and the crowd is buzzing. After a couple minutes and a tease by Piper, and um, after a tease, Ali clears them out. Uh, Piper and Orndorff are potentially leave. They're like, "We're out of here," you know. They're kind of fucking with the crowd a little bit. Fucking heat, man. Yeah, but then the match gets back underway with another brawl between all four guys, won by Hogan and T. The crowd wet bananas as Hogan cut right through both men and then spiked Piper's head off the canvas over and over. Hogan tags in T, and they hit a double clothesline, and then T slams Piper and tosses Orndorff. Hogan tags back in and slugs away at Piper and chucks him to the floor, but Orndorff comes over and clobbers Hulk from behind, knocking him outside. Piper grabs a chair and pelts Hogan with it drawing Ali over to help break things up. Back inside, Piper and Orndorff take terms working over the champ as well as mixing in some double teams. Ali comes in the ring again and stares down Piper to keep him on the apron as Orndorff works over Hulk. Piper grabs a near fall and then tags in Orndorff, who gets, hits a clubbing forearm off the top rope. Orndorff headed back up top and whiffed on a knee drop allowing Hogan to make the tag to T. Tea, T's a house of fire, he cleans house, but Piper clibbers him from behind and then they double him with kicks. T does his best to work free, and the crowd again cheers him on, but Orndorff just grinds him to the mat. Piper tags in and grabs a front face lock, but T powers out and tags Hogan. Here's the hot tag we've been waiting for as Hogan batters Piper and Orndorff, but Orndorff hits a back suplex. Uh, ref- suplex, excuse me. The referee gets tied up with Piper, so Orndorff hops in the ring, but Snuka meets him and knocks him to the floor. Orton recovers and climb up, climbs up top and accidentally knocks Orndorff with his cast, allowing Hogan to cover for the win in a huge pop. Uh, Piper clocks Patterson and walks <laughs> off as T checks on Orndorff who comes to and goes on the defensive before leaving the ring. Hogan, T, and Snuka celebrate the huge win. After the match, Gene checks up with the winners backstage and they celebrate and put over their big win and T's performance. This was rock. This is Justin from North South Connections Opinion here. Let's read it. Why not? Uh, This was rock solid and well booked match with insane heat and charisma dripping off everybody. Considering how many people were involved in the match, it's amazing how everyone hit their mark and how well it came off. It felt like a big deal. Was built up as a mega match and easily delivered in the end, bringing an end to a massive night of action. It's easily worthy of main event for such a lofty position. But then he gives it three stars. You fucking kidding, Justin? Ooh, jeez. Yeah, five stars all the way. God bless you, Justin. But this is professional wrestling. This is doing it as well as it can be done. And what percent of the people in that
3: crowd do you think thought this was real? At least the main event.
1: Oh, my God. We got Ali swinging, full-out swinging. That part. The police that, coming in and out of the yeah. ring.
3: It's real. I mean, I mean, it's not real, but I, Ali thought it was real. And, I mean, that part where just all pandemonium snooker gets up on a rope, Ali runs in thro- throwing haymakers at Orton. It's just like, oh, my God. Like, I'm watching this on TV in 2023. I'm like, I want to be there. Somebody put me, get get Christopher Lloyd here and put me in the time machine. And, and, and get me get me to this show because I want to be a part of that. Cause that is just that's where it's happening. That is action. Right there. That's what professional wrestling is supposed to be. Complete pandemonium action. And that's what you that's who you got in this match.
1: Uh real quickly, Justin and Scott gave out some awards on the podcast this night. This aired as part of the reboot that the Place of Nation flagship started in 2007. Love that. Love that. 2017. Look up this podcast if you can. Uh thanks to Justin for the notes this way. I didn't have to transcribe my guy myself. Always appreciate that. Yep, Just quickly you. I'll throw the what they gave as the, you know, the notes here or the awards. Match of the night, they gave the main event. Uh worst match. I'd agree with that. Worst right, match they gave to Valentine and JYD. I disagree. I'd probably give that to Sam Martino and uh, Brutus. Brutus. Uh, final grade, that he gave the show an 8 out of 10. That's pretty close to what I'd probably give it. MVP was the main event. The worst worker was David San Martino. The Juice Award for steroids was Paul Orndorff. And the best moment, all of the brawls in the main event. The Juice Award. Richter yeah. and Lopper celebrating. So just some other opinions um, from people we respect, we respect Scott Criscolo uh, and Justin uh, Rosero from PlayStation. Yeah, and I,
3: I'm not too far off on any of those either. No, like I said, I, I
1: think the main event is much higher than a three. If I had, I, I, you
3: know. I never really, unless it's like obvious, I've, I've never really noticed like who worked better than who. And you know, that kind of stuff. Unless it's like Jesse, the body where it's obvious, you know what I mean? Like, so, so, sorry, Jesse, you're one of the all time greats in, in other forms, but you know, like if it's not obvious. I really, I'm, I'm not really paying attention to that, but, um, yeah, well, what a. The, the main event is the main event, and then Andre, Andre and Stud, because of the moment, and the ladies, you know what I mean? And the chic. What a. Yeah, there, there, there was no way this was failing, you know what I mean, after people saw it. But the thing was, you had to get the people in there and pay the money to see it in these closed circuit theaters, and it ended up working out, right? It made over a million in closed circuit. So Vince was able to pay everybody back, and yeah, that's maybe un-
1: something we didn't mention. Was that yeah. the the legend is that Vince was all in here, you know, that he had mortgaged everything, put everything, all his chips in the middle for this show, and that that night Vince and Linda were literally counting receipts, um, and it was a huge success. And obviously, they're in a position now, you know, forty years later or whatever, to sell the company for billions. Uh, right, so good for them, you know. It's such a
3: different show, though. I mean, it, that, that upsets me. But know I always say it, so I'll, I'll cut myself off here. But things have changed so much. Well, yeah, Those but mean, that's not the point. Yeah. even. the
1: point is that yeah. they were all in on this night, right? They needed this to go right, or they may have lost everything, right? And it did go right. It went so right that 40 years later, they're cashing out for billions. That's the point. It's nothing to do with what's going on in the ring or isn't. It's yeah. just a business yeah. point. Um, uh, so good for them and an amazing night. I thought they pulled it off amazingly. Uh, I love to watch this. It's really easy to watch. It's quick. It's really moves really fast. Um, it's really kind of like watching like maybe like one of those MSG house shows, but with the matches that are a little shorter, so the pace is a little bit quicker. Um, just to clean something up from earlier, uh, it was 78 days that Sheik and Volkov held the titles. Uh, they lost him on June seventeenth, nineteen eighty five, in Poughkeepsie to the go. U.S. Express, who then lost the belts in August, um, sixty eight days later, to the Dream Team, uh, who then held it for two hundred twenty six days before their nightmare at the Rosemont Horizon. To clean that little piece of information up. Anything else that on WrestleMania I, one?
3: Yeah, I wonder if like Cindy Lauper – real. I know Dave Wolfe realizes, it, but. If Cindy Lauper, like, realizes when she's hearing this on the news, WWE sold to this UFC for this X amount of money, this is because of me. You know what I mean? Like, pretty much. You know, like, I wonder if she realizes that.
1: <coughs> I, I think she does. Yeah. You know, I think they've had her back enough for things here and there. You know, interviews. I mean, Hulk was over. Don't get yeah. me
3: wrong. He was totally over. It probably still would have been action figures and stuff, but I it wouldn't have reached... Th- that mainstream,
1: yeah, it helped them chance, without her. transcended yeah. the bingo halls, yeah, and the arenas. Yeah, yeah, the action you know. figures
3: were actually already ready in production before WrestleMania. They came out r- right around WrestleMania one. I. I think you might even see one in the crowd. So, the, so yeah, the figures were already But City Lauper was already there. She was there since June. So there you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. Any other thoughts on WrestleMania one before we move on, Dave? Just uh it's just one of those
3: shows I don't watch too often for some reason. I don't know why. It's not because I wasn't watching yet at the time. Um, but so I really, really enjoyed uh, sitting down and, uh, and and watching WrestleMania One the whole the whole thing from start to finish. Watch the um the anti biography on it, different things, the, the Belzer on YouTube with Hogan, all that kind of stuff, Saturday Night Lives and stuff. It just it really made me feel like fuck, man, like God, I wish I got into wrestling a, a year, year and a half sooner, so I could have been a part, been a part of this. Yeah,
1: because we were right there, we were alive, we were right there. The, how were we doing? We didn't have anything good going on that day. I, mean, I
3: know, I knew Hulk Hogan was, and who Jimmy Superfly Snooker was. That he jumped off the ropes, but I didn't know if it was boxing or I, I, I just didn't, I didn't really know about it. It was until I started picking up those LJN figures in the store. And, and really, you know, those stood out, and I, was, I started asking, all you know, the adults in my family more questions about it until I started really, you know, watching it on the regular in 86.
1: Well, quickly on LJNs, and we'll move on. It was July of 84 that WWF and LJN signed a licensing agreement for the production of the figures. Um, right. Series 1 was released then in late, late, late 84.
3: Actually, 85. They didn't come out till The first release March. of this yeah. series
1: saw the figures come with plastic stands. Series right, 1, right. 1984. This is according to the Wrestling Figure Museum, so you have to take it up with them. Yeah, but they weren't out. They okay. stamped 84. Hey, I, will they send you, I will send yeah. you this website. You can take it out with them. That's <laughs> no, all right. I, you go ahead and head with no. him. He says Series 1 yeah. was 84. The June, July, 1985 WWF Wrestling Magazine ran an article about LGN figures and the first series, and the images of that article can be seen below. It uh, looks pretty cool. Uh, they were also advertised in magazines and available from LJM directly through mail order. Did you ever mail order an LJM? Oh, no. Meaning, no. Right? I had
3: my ways to get them. I knew the stores that had them first here. Uh, for One of the funniest stories at a Chinese auction, my aunt got Kamala, Adrian Adonis, and Vince McMahon like six months before they were in any store somehow. This a guy... Uh, Worked for LJN it was had something to do with the Chinese auction, so that was pretty wild.
1: It does say that the the first series that came out, the JYD figure came with one of three different colored dog chains black, red, and gray. Yep. The, That's right. The Piper figure had a variation of boot color one with white boots, brown and one boots, with red boots. Uh, there was also a variation in his kilt. Finally, a lot has been written about possible variations in the color of Iron Cheeks' patterns on his tights. Some people state that the figure had yellow patterns and some orange. So
3: A lot of the colors, like even the Hart Foundation's pants, some are more purplish, some are more pink. I really don't. I, me, personally, I don't consider those variations. Like The variations that I consider is like Jimmy Hart, some of them have hearts on the megaphone, some of them don't. That, that's a variation. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. So. Well, if you want to pick this guy's brain that wrote all this stuff, com him and dave can fight over one the first one yeah you got no nah,
3: they weren't out in 84 there uh <laughs> Fe- february march 85 right after the, uh february 85 toy fair in new york city
1: okay you guys will duke it out we're gonna okay. take a break we'll come back we're gonna read some emails i'm sure some of the regulars have some thoughts some questions uh we'll tell you what we're gonna do next time on the 24 inch podcast take care of some business we'll be right back
3: yep i am a-
2: Right.
1: 24-inch podcast we are back one last segment tonight really exciting really love doing this show uh wrestlemania won a historic night for the business for the hulkster um and it was fun doing it but before we close up for the night dave let's do some plugs first don't forget to check out this episode and all episodes of the 24-inch podcast on our soundcloud page at soundcloud.com sports casters you can find all episodes we have ever done over three years of this show, and you can also find the entire catalog of the Sportscasters podcast, including my latest episode featuring interviews with Joe Davis from Fox Sports and also the top line of the 19, two, 2013 Yale Hockey National Champions, Kenny Agostino, um, Andrew Miller, and Jesse Root, celebrating 10 years of their championship. Also, Richard Deitch. From The Athletic and Sports Illustrated is on a recent episode. Check that out. And check out my new logo that my man Chris Smith made. Check out Chris's work. He does all the logos including the one for this show. And he made me a Sportscasters logo that is a parody of the 2017 to 2021 Italian National Soccer Team logo. Um, I really appreciate Chris doing that for me. Check that out. Check Chris out. If you go to my Twitter page, you can see the or my Instagram, excuse me, at Sportscasters and Instagram. You can see the logo and link to his work there if you want to check Chris out. Check out our friends at North South Connection, Place to Be Nation, Greetings from Allentown. Check out Peter, Winston, and Keithy. They're doing some 1988 stuff over there. Check that out, um, and uh, make sure, like I said, Sportscasters and 24 Inch Podcast here. As far as our stuff, social media wise, at Two Four Inch Podcast on Twitter at. Uh, two four inch podcast at gmail.com you can find our group page on facebook by searching two four inch podcast at two four underscore inch underscore podcast on instagram we're all over check us out social media is something we want to get better at and um hopefully with your support we will do that all right dave emails questions give me one what do you got first
3: oh we got a kevin from nutley uh kevin Guys, what happened to Matt Bourne after WrestleMania One? I had no, I had no idea that he was even on the card until I rewatched it for the for this episode. Dave, hey, thanks for watching the show. Vince thought enough of him as a worker to put him on that card I have him work with Ricky Steamboat. But I don't remember him at all until he showed up in the nineties as Doink the Clown. Dave, I know you specialize in Hulk and his whereabouts, but what did Matt Bourne end up doing after this? Uh, I'll make this quick. Um, he did a lot of work in Portland. Portland, Like I said, with Buddy Rose before, he was a mainstay over there in the Portland Territory. So I believe he went back there. He was also in uh, world-class championship wrestling uh, around 86. Did some of the, uh, when the Ultimate Warrior dispended from Sting was the Dingo Warrior. He had some matches with him over world-class. And then finally, what people wouldn't know best is he was Big Josh in WCW in the early 90s. Kind of like a lumberjack, good guy gimmick. Uh, that's about it. Steve, do you have anything else to add, add to it?
1: No, I, at Portland was his big territory where he worked. I know a lot. Um, Piper came up through there as well. That's the one place that Piper famously wouldn't work. Uh, wouldn't work right. against um, Don Owens, was the guy's name, I think.
3: Yes, Don Owens. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Um, and like I said, it's too bad because he's a really talented dude. I wish he was around more. And the stuff he does with Doink in the 90s, which is derailed by his own personal demons, I think. Right. Uh, it's some of the best stuff in the history of the business, really.
3: That's some of the best stuff in ni- 1993, WWF, period, yeah. I think. Dwight was a, a tremendous
1: character. Yeah. Anything else from Kevin this week? Uh, nothing else from Kevin. All right. How about JB? I got JB here. Okay. Hey, Dave and Steve. I haven't written in a while, but I've been enjoying the recent episodes. Here's a question for your WrestleMania 1 show. If you had to rebook WrestleMania 1 with different celebrities from 85, who would you have included? And how, where would you have utilized them on the card? For reference, here are some big-time celebrities from the era, although not an exhaustive list. I'll read his list. You tell me if you would have put him on the show and where, Dave. That's a great question. Okay. All right. Let's start with Sylvester Stallone.
3: Hell, yeah. I okay. mean. Of course. I, I mean, uh, maybe take Jimmy out of there. Sorry, sorry, Snooker, one yeah. of my all-time favorites, but put him in that corner with Hogan D. I, mean, I love come it. On. Yeah, would be amazing. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I Super mean, Superfly could have wrestled somebody else on the card. All right. Here's a good but, one.
1: I got an answer for this one. One of my favorites, Ralph Macchio. Man, I would have loved to have the Karate Kid. Why not pair him up with Steamboat, whose kind of gimmick is a little bit of a Karate Kid type thing?
3: Yeah. Well, that wasn't, they didn't have that gimmick yet, but. Uh, yeah, sure. But, um, right. Yeah. The Karate Kid came out in 84, summer 84. Yep. It's out. Yeah. So it was big, big on VHS uh, rental at this time. Um, you got a
1: better spot for him? Remember, everyone can't be in the main event.
3: Yeah, but I mean, Steamboat was so was so new. I mean, okay, yeah, give him give him the rub a little and bit. And also
1: remember, he's got 15 guys listed here. So if we're going to include, and a lot of no, them, we're going to want to guys. We're going gonna to want to include a lot of, yeah, a lot a lot a lot of, of them. So you got to spread them out. I'm sticking with that. You know, I'm putting Steamboat you'd, Macho you'd, Steamboat.
3: So you don't want you don't want to put Roth Macho under the mask as the ex- executioner. <laughs> no. Uh, all,
1: right. all right,
3: I'll go. I'll go with Steamboat.
1: Here's another megastar, Tom Cruise. Do you want Cruise there? Nah, nah, fuck Cruz. All right, here's one we definitely got to include because he's cool, Chuck Norris. Where do you where, where do you put Chuck?
3: All right, well he ended up doing some work with WWF years later. Um,
1: oh boy, he there's another be, karate could guy. Could he maybe be the ref for the Andre match?
3: Nah, no. I don't see, I don't see that. What that the, another in.
1: guy he has there is Clint Eastwood with Clint Eastwood. Maybe
3: with the uh, the the Sheik Volkov. Uh, okay, match there. Because he was kind of like all American, right? Type yep. Chuck Norris in some ways. He was like he was a karate, you know karate guy, and usually they're Asian. So he was like the American version uh, version of that.
1: What about Madonna? Maybe
3: she could uh, sing no, the anthem we, without with yeah. I mean, with Cindy Lauper too. though, was the two of them well, there. We need a singer. It's a little overkill. We need an anthem singer. Oh, he's got twenty five. So there's probably more singers coming, right? <laughs>
1: No, that's actually the last singer on the list. All
3: right, so, so well, she she sings the anthem.
1: All right, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, two oh, SNL guys.
3: Maybe just like a segment somehow with Mean Gene. Yeah, in the back. Some funny shit. Yeah, in the back or something. Teasing or poor Alfred.
1: Teasing poor Alfred.
3: Yeah, but that that's a 100%, yes.
1: To uh, both Cl- of them. Clint Eastwood. What about him as the ref in the, or some kind of enforcer maybe in the Andre match? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a big, tall guy, right? I so mean, he's got a lot of height to him. Eddie Murphy.
3: Oh yeah, I've, God, you got hardly say no to any of these. I know. I what mean, if
1: Murphy did like came out in the ring and did like a little bit of a roast before the main event or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's so yeah, great at stand up. That, that's
3: that's what WrestleMania has turned into. You know what I mean? You, you know, so yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of something. to I mean, on the spot here. Maybe uh, just in the, booth,
1: more- in the booth, in the booth, kind of like Euchre did.
3: Yes, 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 yes.
1: You know, break in the mood, kind of calm Jesse down a little bit, get him in the booth. Yeah,
3: just for the main event.
1: Yeah, Meryl Streep is another one that maybe could have uh, been in the booth with someone, you know, maybe like one of uh, Chasing and Aykroyd and Streep, kind of like when, like I'm thinking like the tag team match at WrestleMania three when Euchre yeah. and, um, and Mary Harder in the booth, maybe could have done something like that. And then he has Harrison Ford as well. Oh, absolutely! Indiana Jones at the time, right? I mean, these yeah, are oh. huge, huge stars. Yeah. Oh, Anyone God, else um, you'd want to book? Eighties celebrities? Michael Jackson. Okay. I and mean, yeah. that
3: coming out of <laughs> that main event, I was saying he was he was the only one that was missing there at the time in '85. And he got Bill Murray, right? As yeah. If you're gonna have Dan Aykroyd, maybe a, a uh, huge
1: athlete like Wayne Gretzky or yeah. you know Magic Johnson or.
3: Well, there's a lot of guys cutting promos, like Dee Snyder from Twisted sister, and uh, di- you know, different people like that. Uh, Geraldine Ferraro was cut promos uh, le- leading in- into the event. The politician, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, all, all those ones uh, I think could could have worked in, in, in one one way or another. Just cramming it in with the time and taking away from the other celebrities is a little bit of a little bit of an issue too. So, I mean. Two of those, we still have more left? No, that's it. Uh, Two of those, yes.
1: Um, All right. With two, then. Pick only two. (sighs) Stallone, you got to go Stallone, right?
3: Yeah, Stallone in Hulk's Corner uh, with T. That's perfect. And uh, maybe Madonna singing singing the anthem.
1: All right. Thanks always for taking my questions and putting together great episodes, JB. Thanks, JB. Thanks, JB. (laughs) All right. What do you got, Dave?
3: All right, up next, we got Jamie from Queens, New York. Oh, Pearl Jam question time. Let's see if we got a Pearl Jam question. I read that there was a celebrity that was supposed to sing the national anthem WrestleMania, but they dropped out the last minute, causing Gene Oakland to have to sing it. Apparently, the WWF never gave up the name. Based on the time period and venue, who are some names that you may have been the potential singer? Uh, we've touched on this already, Jamie. Um I have no idea who, who who that was supposed to be. If it I were, was actually it was supposed holding, to be anyone.
1: Out, holding out on you, I know who it was. Let's hear it, Boy George. Really? No, I've no. Idea. I'm, about I'm to, ma- just talk,
3: talking to my friends. To go, we're going to go see Boy George in the summer. He's playing at PNC Bank Art Center here. Oh, nice. just, for shits, just for
1: shits and giggles. Yeah. Yeah. no nah, I'm just fucking around. But that would have been. He would have fit in. Yeah, he, he would have fit, fit in fit. perfectly. George Michael. Like
3: that, yeah, perfect fit. I think Boy George would have been a perfect fit for that. Definitely, 100%. Boy George, I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's who they were negotiating with, if they were negotiating with anybody, because I, I, I've i never really – Yeah, I, it's always just came been out. a rumor. Yeah, a rumor and innuendo, because I, I never knew, heard of it, in, anything like that until uh, recent years, but it's
1: possible. All right, <coughs> thank you. I would have preferred you, a Pearl Jam cons, uh, question, though. Yeah, next week we, we need a Pearl Jam question. Well, anyone else? Uh, We got Tim. Tim Mangione.
3: The one and only. His question's never easy to get to. Here it is. Got it quick this week. Who would you have liked to see Hulk go up against past or present, heel or face, even when face didn't go? Tim never puts periods or quotations in any of his texts, so they're a little tough. Heel or face, even when face didn't go against face, and also when some faces didn't turn heel or vice versa. I know what he means, yeah. Do you? I don't? Mine would have I'll been. All
1: right,
3: mine would have been the good old J Y D. You been, go first and tell me what he means. Okay,
1: basically what he's saying is, give me an opponent for Hulk and don't worry about if he's a heel or a face. It's okay if your match is going to be face versus face, even though he knows they didn't do that really in '85. That's okay, and he's also saying or it can be someone who was kind of towed the line, like maybe like a Jake Roberts. Between good and bad. You know, any given night, they might be one or the other. You could book one of those two, I think is what he's saying. Um, Who would I like to have seen Hulk wrestle um, that he didn't? Well, it's going to
3: have to be a face because he wrestled
1: all the the damn heels. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Well, it need to be someone big, right? You need a big guy. Well, okay. It's not 1985, but I would have loved to have seen him wrestle austin right because i'm a big austin fan so i would have loved shortly after the rock or before the rock or whatever there have been a huge hogan austin match as well
3: all right so i can't pick that then um i was thinking '80s, so so this this could be any any time frame that that makes it very different. And John uh, Cena
1: is another one I'd love to pick. That,
3: well, that's, that, that's going to be mine, then.
1: Okay, yeah, you take Cena. Yeah,
3: yeah. I'll t- you take Austin, I'll take Cena. I was going to say, like, Uncle Elmer, so you could slam him through the another big guy to slam. <laughs> if, we're gonna, if we're going 80s, uh, Uncle Elmer, big Oh, you know what could have
1: been a good 80s program, now that you say it? What about the guy who he bought him the boots turns on him and says, you bought nope. me those boots, they sabotaged me, I broke my leg because of those boots. So- that's our choice. Yeah, I'm bo- coming for you, rest. Hogan. You piece of shit. Yeah,
3: they wanted to do that. Yeah, Hillbilly didn't want to do it, so that's that's how he became less of an in-ring competitor, more with the Coliseum video, a uh, um, commentary on prime-time wrestling commentary at Madison Square Garden. They wanted to heal out a uh, Hillbilly like they did with every other one. of could have been great. Hillbilly, yeah, Hillbilly been great. said, "Nah, I'm, I'm a good guy," and, and that's it. Yeah, that that could have been very good. So that's both our answers, Tim. That's 100% my answer. Could have went right hillbilly to the gym.
1: boots, too. You gave me these boots. You knew they were slippery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Great. I had a Joe Theismann-like leg injury, <clears throat> and there wasn't even Lawrence Taylor was nowhere to be found. You son of a bitch, Hogan. Back That's there. the answer, because yeah. even,
3: even Tugboat turned on him eventually, and they had, they had a match or two. Yeah,
1: I so, love that. Uh, I love the hillbilly answer. I'm I'm sticking with that. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. That's to be tough to beat. All right. Anything else? No. Just uh, the Dave, next show. Is Dave, gonna... do you have any questions for me? Do I have any questions for you? Yes. Um,
3: uh, I have a question for you next week, next week. I'm gonna have a lot of questions okay. for you because right. because uh, WrestleMania six six is yeah your show. oh yeah that is I was there that's the big that's gonna be a heavy Steve Bennett show next week you'll hear you're hearing my voice but maybe not quite as much because Steve's gonna have a lot to say and I'm looking forward to hearing it.
1: Here, I'll give you a hint. If I were to leave now, drive to Toronto, it's about 90 minutes. Now, at, at this time of night, I'd do it even quicker because there's little traffic and i get right across the board. I'd probably get there in 70 minutes. If I start walking to my seat now, I should get to it by the time we record the show. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's a- I, may, I may know more about it than sitting home <laughs> watching the couch and pay pay-per-view. Yeah, I... Uh- <laughs>
1: My dad told me Hulk Hogan was in the ring, but I would, couldn't <laughs> quite confirm it. You know,
3: you saw Shades of Yellow.
1: Oh my God, we were far away. You have no idea. We were. I think hey, you were there, man. We there were in a different at zip code.
3: WrestleMania Six. I was never at a Hulk WrestleMania. Ten bucks. Bo- oh yes, I was. That's what I saw him at. He came out at WrestleMania thirty-five, but I was so it counts. He Ten dollars. He came
1: out. Ten dollars yeah. Canadian. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. WrestleMania 35. Which one was that? The uh, outside of uh, Met Life. Met Life, yeah.
3: Met Life. I've been to another one in MetLife Life. He wasn't there. And then I've been at WrestleMania 10. I just missed him, which was a great WrestleMania. I'm very yeah. happy I was there. Yeah, good stuff. But uh, <laughs> my luck, right? I <laughs> just, just missed him. But I've seen him at SummerSlams and, and things like that. And obviously all
1: the yeah, house shows. House shows, yeah. <coughs> yeah.
3: All right. Well, with that said, oh, StarCade 97. Right oh, that.
1: that's a good one. Where was that? Washington?
3: Washington, me and Chet t-
1: took the train there. We're seniors in high school. That's That'd something I want to do this summer: is a, a WCW match. Right?
3: We should do that one. So I'll, I'll have plenty okay. stories.
1: Yeah, we could do that one. All right. Well, between now and the next episode, we ask only one thing of our fans: that that you say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the twenty-four inch podcast.
2: Brother.